warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 376. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's mix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, one of the lowest ranking podcasts in the world. World. We heard your demand for timestamps, and we chose to ignore you, just like your high school years. You'll see Jake with a tramp stamp before we start using timestamps. Sexy tramp stamp Jake. What we're trying to say is, we don't do timestamps, and we never fucking will. I just said the F word. So stop asking, you rat bastard cunts. Cunts. <laughs> Welcome to the Timestamp Free Zone. This is Pop Culture Leftovers. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a leftover. No Jake this week. I'm uh, I'm not rocking it solo, though. Without Jake in the building, I do have Dan West here. Welcome, Dan. Hello. How you doing? Ah, fuck. You know how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I know how you're doing. <laughs> Why? Why are you asking, man? You know why you got why you got to bring that up? <laughs> Sorry, it's whatever. You know, doing this again. <laughs> yeah, every fucking week. Every fucking week. It's like a it's like a goddamn job now. You know what they say about Brian and Pop Popcher leftovers, right? What do they say? You gotta keep them separate. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm not gonna keep that joke going. It's gotta die. I can't keep it going. And then you bring Dude, it that back. That song has been stuck in my head for fucking weeks now. Oh man, we're also we're also joined by all the way from Amsterdam, Shy Nechi's back on the podcast. Welcome back, Shy. Hey man, glad to be back. Been a while, man. It's been like I feel like I get you on here like once a year. Yeah. That's actually, we, last time I was here was uh, April 12th, 2020. Wow. Exactly a year ago, man. Holy shit, yeah. man. Fuck like, like clockwork, dude. 
Yeah, like clockwork. It was like like you know that internal body clock. You just reached out, like, hey, I think yeah. it's it's time. It's time. It's shy time. Yeah, <laughs> it's that time of the year. It's shy time. It's time to dust dust off shy and bring them back out. Yeah, just for a little bit though. Just for a little bit, not for yeah. Yeah, let's not make this no, a fucking habit. Tired quickly. Oh, yeah, it's novelty. The novelty wears off. It does wear yeah. off. It does wear off. I, yeah. I, I have a I have a low shy tolerance. Exactly. Yeah. Even everybody does. So once a year, <laughs> it's just quite enough. Really. Right. <laughs> it's like a quota that I gotta hit. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. Once we hit it, it's out. You know. Ho- hopefully, if I get tired early, you know, and and you hit the quota, then you know that's that's magic happening. Yeah. Yeah. This is just like, <laughs> oh man. It's like it's like having sex with a person you never know. You know you're never gonna have sex with again. Yeah. Un- until yeah, a year great. later, when you're like, "Fuck, I'm, a- I might have to have sex with that person again." Oh <laughs> <laughs> I've reached new lows again. Yeah, might have to reach out a cheeky text, and you know they're available. You know, yeah, they're just yeah. On yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just on standby always. They're just you know this is right. the one person I can always. You know, speed dial when yeah. I'm feeling low. Where you been? I've been. I'm sorry, I haven't talked to you in a year. I've been really busy. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm free tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next message is: You want to fuck? <laughs> it's 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 the eggplant emoji. Right there. Yeah, it's very romantic. <laughs> I was trying to think of the perfect title for a porno set in the Star Wars cantina in Moss Eisley, and it came to mm-hmm. me. It came to me. L- listen to this. What's your... Come and villainy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and you only get true Star Wars fans that would actually search for that as well. Uh, <laughs> so keeping the riffraff out. <laughs> But yeah, I was very, I was very proud of that one. Um, want to thank all of our, uh, Patreon patrons. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. This is awesome. I've had a blast doing it. We recorded a, uh, uh, top 20 episode where we went over some more toys last week. Have Paul Hart and Dan Ramirez on those episodes. Paul Hart from, uh, Movies from the Heart and Dan Ramirez from Heroes of Noise. Those are some of the most fun podcasts that I record and it's just it's just us talking about toys that we played with when we were kids and last week I just had a blast with those guys so everybody that's uh you know a patron patron that's enjoying those episodes thank you so much for being a part of that guys have you heard about uh have you heard about Heinz and Ocean Spray what they were planning <laughs> they they as an April Fool's Day joke Heinz and Ocean Spray we're thinking about introducing Cravy. It's cranberry and cranberry sauce and gravy. Ugh. You know how we're getting all these like mixtures of different like sauces and shit. I I, I recently saw mayostard or whatever it was called, and it's mayonnaise <laughs> and mustard that they just mix together. And that so as an April Fool's Day joke, Heinz and Ocean Spray got together and put out a tweet uh, about Cravy. Which is cranberry sauce and gravy. And then it got such a huge response that they're literally thinking about doing this now. They, oh my God. Oh wow. Heinz tweeted, Heinz tweeted, 
We've decided to join forces for a flavorful concoction that might add a touch of magic to your meal. What do you say, dear friends? 250,000 Indeed votes will make Cravey a reality. So it might happen. This might actually happen now. Cravey. Thinking about it, you do have, like, cranberry sauce and gravy with, like, turkey. But I don't know what it's going to look like when it comes out of the jar or carton or whatever it is they're going to put it in. It just sounds fucked up. They had, like, a mock-up picture of what it looked like, and it looks disgusting. Yeah. But, like, what like vomit, What the fuck are you putting that on? Are you just putting that on your turkey? I just... think that's the only thing you can put it on, really. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I wouldn't. Uh, I'm craving some gravy. Uh, oh, all right. Oh, Shy, this is why I don't have you on more than once a year. Okay? <laughs> uh, if you're out there in Amsterdam, dude, you got to be honest with me. How much pot have you hey, smoked hey, already? Hey, Shy. <laughs> <laughs> that joke was crappy. <laughs> 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 in all honesty though this sauce is it like one of those like bottles that has like two sections where like one no. section has like gravy no, no it's, it's all mi- it's just, mixed into one it's all mixed into one it's like a mm. jar it's like what a jar. color is it gray paste it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a gray paste yes in my head, I have you know the Goober's peanut butter and jelly. How it's like peanut yeah. butter and jelly, like in a swirl. I kind of feel like it's like that with gravy and cranberry. No, it's literally just be, like no. the brown sauce mixed in with cranberry, and so it's kind of like a. Oh. I don't know. I don't even brown know. Paste. Yeah, it's like a, a brown yeah. mauve purplish kind of. Paste. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, exactly like, what yeah. it is. Like a bloody diarrhea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's so attractive to you. Oh, we have all been there, haven't we? Oh, yes. Holy yeah. God. Oh, my God. And you're like, who but fucked me last night? What is going yeah. on? What yeah. is going Often on back stack there? stack for me. Too much meat and beer and whiskey. Ugh. I was out driving. Hey, Brian, do you think, what? Brian, go ahead. Do you think this will go good with your cascatelli pasta? The crazy <laughs> sauce? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I'm still waiting on that shit. I think I got like another fucking two and a half months before I get that shit. I'll let it's it like made to order or something, and like you, you order it, and then actually you have to hand make it and like pass it all up and send it out to you. I, it's just so popular. No, everybody wants to get their hands on Cascatelli. It's so popular they got like a three month wait. They said, "Wow." That's crazy, man. Yeah. People have too much time on their hands, clearly. Oh, this guy does. The guy that invented it has a, has a, has a, uh, pasta podcast or something called the, I can't, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. And so, yeah, he's got plenty of times on his hand, time on his hands. He's fucking doing a podcast about pasta. I was. What do you talk about after like episode 100 on that podcast? Yeah, what the fuck? What do you, what, like, what are you, t- what are you like, talking about? Oh, yeah, today I tried a new type of flour that's new, like, low grain or something. Like, what do you talk about for 100 episodes? Oh, he's probably talking about all the fucking tail he's fucking getting. Because, my God, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't pass the podcast. He's probably just he's talking about all the ass he gets every week. <laughs> Fuck me with your noodle. We get to hear all about those stories. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. 
pasta podcast. And who the fuck is listening every week to a pasta podcast? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who the fuck are these sociopaths? <laughs> What's new in the pasta industry? Yeah. I'm like, who's waiting for that one to drop every week? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. We got a new one. I'm guessing someone listens to it. Clearly, very popular. Very popular. I, it's probably more, way more popular than what you're listening to right now. It has to be. Anything yeah. has to be. <laughs> it's shy talking about how he's craving cravy earlier. Oh fuck! Oh my god. <laughs> shy, that's not going to show up on any T-shirt anytime soon. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> that's not my fault. That's Heinz's fault. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm craving a new. I'm craving a new guest. I'm talking that much, man. <laughs> anyway, I was uh, <laughs> sorry, shy. I have you. I have. I have you on here once a year, and then I just berate you the entire time. <laughs> yeah, almost immediately every time as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's great. I love it. Uh, I realized I was out driving this week, and I realized that if I see a dog owner out on the street with their dog, and their dog is in the middle of taking a shit, Mm -hmm. that I cannot make eye contact with the owner. I have to look the completely other way. It's just uh, (laughs) that I just can't do it. Because I was out driving, and there's a guy, he's got the dog on the leash, they're walking, and his dog is in the most embarrassing, I'm taking a shit pose. And I was just kind of embarrassed for the owner, you know? like, Yeah, this is interesting, man, because I'm the complete opposite. I will fucking lock eyes with the owner, and my eyes are saying, are you going to pick that up? Are you going to fucking pick that up? Are you going to fucking pick that up? Because we just have people just letting their dog shit everywhere around here, being the countryside and everything. So I'm just, like, staring at them. I just dri- I was just driving through a random town, so I don't care what happens there. I don't really oh, care. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, like I don't care if the whole town is littered with dog shit. I just I can't. It's such an embarrassing thing. I would be ashamed. Like, I, and honestly, when I did take my dog out on walks and he was taking a shit, I was embarrassed. Like, oh god, really? this is yeah. I was embarrassed for the dog. I was embarrassed for everyone watching. I was embarrassed for myself. It's it's a living yeah. creature just squatting and taking a shit. It's such a vulnerable. Yeah. It's a vulnerable time. Can yeah, you- man. And they do that whole like the every dog does it. Their, their back like really heavily arches, and they're like, Aah! yeah. Like when your friend at a party oh, is like being sick in the toilet or something, you're like, it's okay. It's like, the dog's doing the same thing. Like, oh, just let it a fucking end. Oh man, I had to look as the other a, way. As a recent dog owner, I agree. It's an embarrassing thing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, you love this dog, you love them so much, and they're so adorable. But like in those fucking like span of twenty to thirty seconds, where your dog's ass is fucking a volcano and just going to town <laughs> on somebody's lawn, you're just like, oh no, it's just embarrassing. <laughs> oh. I have a I have a really funny story about this. I, I so I got a dog uh, in November, 
And um, so he got sick, like, with this common virus that uh, apparently they contract called Giardia. And so he had, like, diarrhea. And so I was out with my dog and, you know, taking him out for walks. And the poor, poor guy is sick. And we're walking, and he just, like, has explosive diarrhea just on the sidewalk. And it's just, like, pure liquid. It's, like, full-on brown liquid. What, what are you and doing? And then there's this couple... <laughs> There's this couple behind us, right? And they're like, oh, are you going to clean up after your dog? I'm like, bro, it's like pure liquid. Like, I have a bag right here, but I can't, like, physically pick it up. It's liquid. And they're like, yeah, do something about it. I'm like, bro, the dog is sick. Like, like it's liquid. Look at it. Like, I can't. Like, it's already seeped in. That's when you, that's when you're like, that's when you pull out a straw. Uh, Oh, my God. obviously mortified i didn't know what to do i just like kind of quickly turned the corner and just had to get out of there but like i like even if i attempted to clean this like there was nothing i could do yeah what do you do so, about that what do you do about runny diarrhea dog shit there's nothing you can do yeah you you walk away and hope no one sees that's what you do that's your only option <laughs> I just hope it rains, which it does frequently in Amsterdam. So that's like the only silver line that frequently rains. So it was washed by like 24 hours after that. But it was mortifying. Bring like a bag, bring like a bag of like sawdust or leaves or something with you. (laughs) (laughs) And then have it absorb and then like, like dust it up like with a, with a a little tray. Like, what are you supposed to, like, uh, take your shirt off, like, and start sopping it up for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, a couple napkins, like, throw a few napkins at it and wait for it to absorb. Yeah, what the <laughs> you fuck? You know, that- like, those bounty commercials where they, like, lay a paper towel on some liquid and it just absorbs everything. It's like that. <laughs> I was, that guy that said that to you, complete, what an asshole. Yeah, I mean, it was his wife complaining. To be fair, her husband was, like, behind her with the child, like, laughing. Like, kind of like, yeah, he's right. Like, it is pure liquid. Like, there's nothing he can do. Okay, so it was was his wife that was... Yeah, his wife was having a go at me. He was standing behind her, kind of giggling at me, like, looking at me like, man, this sucks. This situation sucks all around for you. One, one one question about it did it did it look like gravy damn it you stole it i was gonna <laughs> god damn it that was the next thing out of my mouth was like what are you feeding that thing gravy wow this has been a really disgusting beginning to this episode <laughs> yeah i don't know anymore it's like this is what you get, people, when you got me doing this every fucking week. I'm telling you, I, I need, I need a goddamn break. <laughs> hmm. All right, hey, let's uh, let's jump into. Uh, you both got a chance to watch Falcon and Winter Soldier this week. I'm assuming. Nope. Really? Yeah, it was on the list. So I didn't watch it. <laughs> Are you kidding? It's I talk about it every fucking week on the show. Yeah, it's okay. You guys can talk about it. It's fine. No, I didn't watch it either, Dan. I fucked up. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my God! Then we're not talking about Falcon and Winter Soldier this week. I can't. Oh. I can't have a conversation about it myself. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll hold on. We'll talk. We'll actually talk about uh, episodes four and five next week. 
since I've got the world's uh, two biggest underachievers. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, you guys, you're kidding me. Nobody, <laughs> nobody watched it. Nope. <laughs> I, ha- I have to put I Falcon and Winter Soldier on the list. I've been talking about it every week on the show. And I got to put, I physically got to write it on the list for you, Dan. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have watched it anyway. I didn't like the first episode, so I was out. <sighs> All right. Yeah, <laughs> guys. So we'll, we'll follow up with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, next week. And we'll talk about, uh, both episodes when I, when I have, when I have guess at care. Yeah. I've got. <laughs> That's the problem. I care too much. That's you fuck. No, the thing is, you're like you're like Shy's dog. You just took a shit all over my podcast, and now you're not cleaning anything up. <laughs> That's fine. To get, to get double double episode talk next week. Yeah, you know, it'll be lovely. It'll be great. I yeah, I can't wait for that. Looking forward to that, Dan. Yeah, Looking you get it. you know get a couple of guests on that actually give a shit about it. It'll be yeah. fine. All right. <laughs> Did you prepare a, a duo theme song though? I did. I did. And I'm oh. not, we're not doing it this week. No. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta put the work in to get the song. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, we, I deserve that. No, you're right. I'll do two songs next week for listening, for, for guests that care. For uh. guests that care. This week, this week, nobody gets a song. So when the listeners start coming at you guys, you'll remember this. You'll remember. <laughs> you'll remember. Nothing new there then. Ah, Jesus. All right, let's uh, let's jump into good pop, bad pop for this week. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good pop, bad pop is where we talk about the fact that my guest this week didn't watch the Falcon and the fucking Winter Soldier. Jesus fucking okay. It's where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Not going to spend too much time on this, but I know, Dan, you've been watching it. I've been watching it. Um, all caught up on uh, this season of uh, The Walking Dead. And uh, I – Dan, what are your thoughts on this season so far? Uh, we've got the the new show – well, I can't – we even, we can't even call her new. Angela Kang, this is her second season. Um, is it her second season? Or, it feels like it's her second season, but did she start on – I think she started on season 10. We're still in season 10. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think she did the first half, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Yeah, it just it, this season is such a long season that it just felt like this is her second. <laughs> felt like it yeah, feels like it feels it's her like second forever. Yeah, yeah, because it feels like they've been on the season for a couple of years now. But um, yeah, what's been your experience lately with The Walking Dead, Dan? Uh, well, I wasn't a massive fan of the last, you know, the first half, the first whatever it fucking was, you know, 10, 11 episodes. Um, and with this second half, you can definitely tell that they've been hit by COVID restrictions because you only have about three to five different cast members per episode. Um, and for me, it is actually improved the show. <laughs> like, 
a hell of a lot because they can't hide behind crazy big set pieces and fucking, you know, 100,000 zombies and all the rest of it anymore. Everything in the show has to be on point. So the music has to be good. Um, and Ben McCreary's been doing an amazing job with that. I've forgotten the fucking guy's name that he's been working with, but he's clearly been a big influence as well. And so the music has to be on point. The cinematography does, the directing does, the acting, the writing. It all has to be good because they don't have anything to hide behind. And for me, um, two of these uh, last episodes, um, one's called Here's Negan, and um, the other one uh, has uh, features uh, Gabriel and Aaron throughout most of it. Uh, those two episodes have been two of the best episodes of walking dead i've ever seen right up there with um the story of morgan just fucking just unbelievable so i've absolutely loved it how about you oh man that yeah the the gabriel i actually talked about it in a previous episode saying it was it felt like a bottle episode if you haven't been watching the walking dead that you could jump into that episode and not even really be familiar with the characters and i think you'd still get something out of it it was the gabriel and aaron episode and robert patrick was you know, in that episode, and I thought it was phenomenal. Um, absolute Tupperware of an episode. But then we get what I, I think it's the season finale. I think we're at the season finale. It's the Here's Negan episode. It's an origin story for Negan. And my God, this is one of the single best episodes of The Walking Dead I've ever seen. It is, yeah. it had everything. And, um, I, I'm telling you, like, if, if, if you dropped off The Walking Dead, but you're familiar with Negan. If you did stick around, you know, for, you know, uh, the, any of the Negan episodes, um, this one's worth watching. This one's worth watching. It's the latest episode that just dropped. It is 100% worth watching and checking out. It is yeah, absolutely phenomenal. And, um, yeah. I mean, for all the times that he kind of like chews the scenery with his, you know, monologues and stuff like that when the character's talking – it pays off here, man, and it pays off in spades. It's so good. Yeah, it's really, uh, I mean, I don't know what Negan's backstory is in the comics or anything, but um, this was uh, a really hard-hitting episode. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that um, some people will have experienced personally, and I have, and it, I'm not going to say nothing because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, and it really, it hit me like a fucking truck this episode and Jeffrey Dean Morgan's, uh, just put on a fucking clinic in this episode, yeah, like he's yeah. all over the place from like the, the highest to highs, to the lowest to lows. And it was just, oh, and it was like, it was a long episode as well. It was like nearly an hour long, I think. Yeah. And it was just like. There was one, there's, my only criticism is that it, the, the story jumps from different, a few different time periods, but, it, and that sort of kind of, the pacing was a little bit funny, but apart from that, it was just, it was so good, man. It was so good. Just like it, getting to learn more about this character, and like I said, him just being absolutely stellar on screen and um yeah you, well really i mean interesting story if you ever wondered about the jacket if you ever wondered about you know the bat lucille like this gives yep. you that story and it is a phenomenal episode it's a phenomenal yeah. episode I, I wouldn't go as much to say that it's a that it's a you know a hundred percent bottle episode because you do need to know a few things about the character but on the flip side they do go over a lot of the character 
within the episode. So it's, it's very satisfying. Yeah. It's a satisfying episode. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is fantastic in it. I Tupperware the fuck out of it. I thought it was, I mean, and I think it's one of the highest rated episodes ever. I think it's at last time I checked, it's at like at a 9.4 on IMDb. That's it. 9.4 right there. Still it hasn't dropped at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, great, man. <laughs> really, it's really good. Yeah. Really fucking good. It. It's very, it's very poignant. It tells the story and, um, it's uh, got just, it's just got a lot of amazing moments in it. And even mm-hmm. like, I'm obviously not going to spoil anything, but just like the last sort of five minutes, as well was just something happens and you just go oh shit and it's just kind of the, the character developing it's literally it's a fucking character development episode it's so good yeah because <laughs> you don't see that very much in in a lot of shows especially a show that's been running this long and this was just an episode of like i said highs and lows and fucking it was a roller coaster really was some really, amazing stuff in there Loved really makes you think day. differently about the character of negan it you does. Know. It does, man. I mean, he could basically be anybody. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is the most interesting point. Which is why I think that fans of The Walking Dead and people that have, you know, you love to hate Negan. You know, he was such a fucking terrible person. Um, and you watch this episode, and you, some people, including myself, will go, "Shit, that could have been me." And it was. That's that's how like how good the writing is and how amazing the situation is. It, it's that whole, you know, the whole Batman thing of, you know, it takes one bad day. And, uh, for Negan, it was a lot longer than that. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, excellent. Well, there always was that argument when we first got introduced to the character that he was just doing what was best for the group, his group, you know, and we saw yeah. Rick was always doing the best for his group. And, you know, when Rick and everybody like storms, like, you know, that, uh, that outpost and kills all of, you know, a bunch of Negan's men that are in that building, you know, Negan took that personally. Like those are his people, you know? And so, I mean, it would have been the exact same scenario had it been Rick's people that were murdered in there, you know, let's get some vengeance on these guys and teach them a lesson. And so, but we're all watching it from the perspective of, oh, well, he just killed Glenn and he just killed, um, Abraham. So we're pissed. Because we've spent so many seasons with this character. But, like, if you look at it from the other, you know, point of view, you know, he's just trying to do what's best for his people. Now we find out a lot a lot more about the character that we didn't know but uh, throughout the seasons. But it, this is a fantastic episode of The Walking Dead. So if you dropped off a long time ago, I understand. I, I completely understand. I had to bear through a bunch of episodes where it was bad writing and just not not good. And, uh, but every once in a while you'll have like a fucking gem of an episode like this one that just sucks you right fucking back into the story. So <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, man. And, and along with the, the Aaron, um, Gabriel episode as well, just, yeah, a, a top form and yeah. even the ones in between, it's just, it's all been, um, like character based character development, like interesting events that are happening, but it's all much more smaller scale, just like, um, you know, the first series, the first season, you know, there was a lot of little events and these small stories that got told um, every episode. And like when, you know, when um, Rick, you know, meets Morgan for the first time, it's, you know, it's just, it's mostly just like him and Morgan and his kid. And yeah. it's, and, and that is, that's probably what one to two episodes. It's just those those little moments, and it's all about like humanity and you know like gray areas of morality and stuff like that, and that's where we're getting back to in this because things have kind of calmed down since 
the fucking giant horde is, uh, you know, passed through and shit like that. And we're back to, we're getting back to what I used to love about The Walking Dead in the first place, which was the themes and the way that Kirkman had written it. And it's, yeah, it's just back on top, man. I've really enjoyed it. And we've got stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that bit. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> All right, let's talk about, uh, Thunder Force on Netflix. Two childhood best friends reunite as an unlikely crime-fighting duo when one invents a formula that gives ordinary people superpowers. Thunder Force is written and directed by Ben Falcone and stars Melissa McCarthy, Octavia Spencer, Jason Bateman, Bobby Cannavale, Palm Clementif, Taylor Mosby, and Melissa Leo. It is the fifth collaboration between McCarthy and her husband Falcone. And hopefully it's the final one because I am sick of these two working together because I do not like their movies. So, oh, really? Yeah, I'm not a fan of her working with her husband. I just don't they're, – they're just not – in my opinion, they're just not really good movies. What, what, what were the other films that they did together? Uh, I think another one was a Netflix one that I saw recently. You're catching me off guard about movies that I don't like to begin with. So <laughs> let me have a look. Yeah, you, you oh, can do that. Me. Uh, I'll find out what oh, your boss. thoughts are though. What shy, what did you think about? Uh, well, let me, I'll get into it a little bit. Here's, here's the thing. Uh, this big event happens and people that are sociopaths receive superpowers and become supervillains. So you've got a world full of supervillains that's populated, you know, you know, wh- whoever's a sociopath that is like around whatever substance landed on earth or whatever now are supervillains and there's nobody to, to really battle them. The police have their hands full. They can't take on superpowered villains. And so this one girl's parents are trying to figure out a way to genetically alter normal people's bodies so that they can become superheroes and fight back. And then her parents are killed by a supervillain. And so this little girl grows up and uh, played by Octavia Spencer and then invents this formula that gives people superpowers. And uh, that's where we're at in this movie. What did you think about this one, Shy? Um, yeah, I, th- I think I have to kind of agree with you. Like, um, it was probably a toss-up for me. Um, there was like some good running gags, like you know the whole thing with the Drew name, and um, I also like the, the stuff with Baden Falco and like he played it, this character. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, not a fantastic movie. Um, it was like a lot of slapstick stuff, and um, yeah, the premise was all right, but yeah, I just couldn't really get into it to be honest with you. I the only thing <laughs> the only thing I liked was Jason Bateman as the crab. And that was yeah, it. I, he was great. And his <laughs> so Jason Bateman plays a villain who has crab hands, <laughs> and so and it does. There's this one point where he's got his hands up, like you know, and he 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 starts sidestepping out of the room, and he looks like a crab walking, mm. and it was kind of funny. <laughs> and uh, Melissa McCarthy eating raw chicken for the first time was funny. And that's about it for me. I I, I just thought yeah. I think these scripts are so simple and the stories are so simple, and the character development is just so it's just so paint by numbers. Like any, I feel like anyone could write this. It is just not. I, I 
I, I just, I, I, I did not have any, it's just not a smart, well-written comedy in my opinion. And it's basically, I think they started off with this premise of like, all superheroes look like Chris Evans or Brie Larson. And they're like, why don't superheroes just look like regular people? And so they get Octavia Spencer and, 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 uh, Melissa McCarthy to play superheroes. And I think that's a great idea. I've seen, we, we've seen it down in the comics. There's a valiant comic called Faith and Faith, it does not look like, um, you know, every superhero that you see that's muscle bound and physically athletic and all this stuff. But, um, she just looks like a regular person and, and that's what they did here. It's just the comedy didn't land for me. I just did not find this funny or, Interesting. What did you rate it then? I, it's, uh, I'll give it a low toss it just because of, uh, Jason Bateman's performance as the crab had me laughing. Uh, did you just say a low toss it? That's like lower than a No, no, it. no. I said a low taste it. I said low taste it. I said low taste it. It's a low taste it for me. Just because of Jason Bateman. Just because of Jason Bateman. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh this has been happening quite a lot recently for me. I've been watching films. They're very well made. You know, like uh, like they're shot well. The, the, the like a lot of the effects, not all of the effects, but a lot of the effects are on point. And you know, like technically, from a technical standpoint, a lot of these films are made very well. Fuck me, dude! I sat through this shit. I laughed like twice. Yeah, it was terrible. Like from start to finish, and I didn't find the crab which is his name funny at all I oh i love shit. the crab oh fuck you i love the crab the crab is fucking great jason bateman as a crab man was funny <laughs> see i love jason bateman but that whole like walking sideways bullshit don't fuck off a cliff. i loved it i died i fucking i had to rewind it i, I watched it the second time dan i was like did i just see what i saw <laughs> Oh my god! But yeah, it's. I mean, you know, I'm <laughs> Melissa McCarthy's very hit and miss for me. Anyway, I either like really don't understand. Not I don't. I get what she's doing. She does the whole Ricky Gervais fucking cringe comedy dialogue anyway. And then other films, I think she's absolutely fucking brilliant. So she's really hit and miss. Octavia Spencer is amazing in basically everything she does, and she just had. She was just like this, like one note, like very kind of like boring. It's because person. of the writing. It's the writing. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah, they didn't give her anything to yeah. do. There was, there was no there was no peaks and troughs in any of like the drama or the relationships or anything and the fucking jokes were shit and oh, i just don't know it was i I, to- I tossed this i thought it was it was crap i sat here i watched it with cat and i was i said did am i not getting this because i'm a dude and she just went no it's shit <laughs> so she she didn't like it either i thought pom clementif was terrible she was fucking she didn't even know what the hell she was doing with herself it was there was there was uh, there were two shiny lights in this for me. One was Taylor Mosby, who played Tracy, who was the daughter. I thought she was great. She was the best actor in this fucking terrible film. And um, and Melissa Leo, who played Ali, who was the one they called Jodie Foster. She made me laugh. Um, and um, and Taylor brought some actual fucking humanity to the scene because everyone else was like just like a paper cutout person. It was weird. I did laugh at the Nell reference. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> when they were talking about Jodie Foster and she said, Tay in the wind. Yeah, <laughs> that was okay. But it's just like, it, it, even in that scene, like it seems like they're, they're, they're time, the comedy timing is fucked. Like that whole scene went on for so long and she kept like referencing Jodie Foster movies and stuff and doing lines from them. And it's just like, okay, we get it. 
You said Jodie Foster. That was a funny line, and now you're just dragging it out and making it fucking unbearable. And it, it's, it was weird. And the other thing that really pissed me off about this film is nothing that happened in it. None of the twists in inverted commas. Nothing surprised me. We saw every twist coming a fucking mile away. Like, you know, oh, God, it was awful well and bobby Cannavale plays like the big villain in this one and but he's also a politician but he shows up as a villain in octavia spencer's like lab like at her building and i'm just like why are you revealing yourself as the villain in this you are the dumbest villain ever you, you two are working together yeah yeah we are okay it, that's what, it just, it's just it the, make any fucking sense. I think it's real. I, I honestly, I think it's really sweet that Ben Falcone and his wife work together. I think, it, but on, but it's just the products that they put out together. I think it's just like ruining her career. Her career was on the rise, and then she starts doing these. It's like it's like they continue to do these movies together that just don't work. But when you can get her away from her husband and involved in other projects like that movie, can you ever forgive me? Which is a fantastic movie. She she puts out a really good performance. It's just when she does just dumb shit like this, I I just thought that this was, I just thought this was terrible. This was just not good. But I will die on a hill and say Jason Bateman as the crab was fantastic. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm buttering your knuckle. Okay, I'm out. <laughs> Oh, it's just his delivery, man, is so good. He's so funny. Look, he he is he is great. He is brilliant, but not in this. Um but I don't know, dude. It was just it was bad. Like you said, Melissa McCarthy, if she works with the the right writers and directors, they can push her. And she is a great actress when She's, you know, given the right sort of direction and especially the right script. And Octavia Spencer's exactly the same. And she, she, oh, it was just so bad. Oh, I loved, I loved her. I loved Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids. I thought she was fucking hilarious. Best character in the entire film. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant performance. Brilliant character. Uh, physical comedy up the wazoo and just like a laugh riot throughout the whole thing. The be- but for me, the best thing about that movie, and yeah, and then she does this. Oh, but like, I, I liked, I did like, <laughs> I did like her in the spy movie with Jason Statham. Uh, was that just called Spy? It was called Spy. One? It was really good. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, I've seen that. But again, was that was that from Bell? I don't. Well? And if it is, then I am wrong about one fucking movie. Yeah, because I I kind of enjoyed that too, but again, there was a lot of you know peaks and troughs in the in the script and in things that were happening, and you know she when when she when they give her the right material, she's really good, um, very very believable. She's at, you know especially in more sort of you know like heartfelt and like especially sad scenes, she's yeah. really good. Um, and yeah, this just didn't have that and at all in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> And I don't care how many times you scream a punchline into the camera. It's not fucking funny the first time. It's not going to be funny the seventh time. Yeah. 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 Netflix puts out a lot of, a lot of stuff. And this is another, (laughs) another thing they did. I went to the theater. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I I was going to say it's disappointing when you see like the cast 
and you see like it's a like pretty like big budget produ- production like it has good effects like everything is done right it's just like like all falls apart in the execution aspect and it's just yeah it's disappointing right i think it, it's just it's just uninspired right writing in my opinion yeah it's just a, a simple stupid story and you know it's like her character when she was young liked rock bands, and so like now we look at her thirty years later, and yeah, she's still wearing a rock T-shirt. Wow, what character development? Yeah, wow. Not the same as fucking half of her characters in all the other films that she does. Yeah, she always plays like the metalhead slob chick. That's who she plays, and yeah, yeah they did it again in this as well. And it's well, like and, okay, well. and her and this girl were like friends when they were like fourteen, and it's like. They haven't talked in like 30 fucking years and she's still holding on to like this, you know, friendship that it just seems so weird. Like it's just so bare bones script and just not just the dumbest comedy I've seen in a long time. So yeah, it's a shame, man, because, you know, obviously they're trying to cash in on the whole superhero thing. And I thought we might get an interesting take on it and, you know, being comedy, but comedy has got to be one thing. It's got to make you fucking laugh. And this, this did not. Right. Yeah. I went to the theater yesterday and I saw the new science fiction movie Voyagers. And, uh, with the future of the human race at stake, a group of young men and women bred for intelligence and obedience embark on an expedition to colonize a distant planet. But when they uncover disturbing secrets about the mission, they defy their training and begin to explore the most primitive natures. As life on the ship descends into chaos, they're consumed by fear, lust, and the insatiable hunger for power, not knowing if the real threat they face is what's outside the ship or who they're becoming inside it. It's written and directed by Neil Berger. He did, um, I think he did like the Divergent movie, a couple of them. He did the fucking Illusionist, man. I love that He did the Illusionist. Uh, He did... uh, uh, I, yeah, the diver- I think he might have done the entire diver- Divergent series, but I could be wrong. Um, the film stars Ty Sheridan, Lily Rose Depp. Um, what's up with that? Like, naming your kid after two flowers, like one's not enough. You gotta- <laughs> Johnny Depp's got to name his kid after two of them. Here's our other daughter, Tulip Daffodil. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tulip definitely. Tulip, uh, Fiona Whitehead, Colin Farrell, uh, Shante Adams, Isaac Hempstead, a bunch of other people. I don't know, but uh, the movie opens up, and on the screen you read: "As the Earth grows hotter and drought and disease ravage the population, scientists look for a new planet, one that can support human life." In 2063, they find it. So basically, what's happening here is. Uh, they're going to go on this 86-year voyage to this other planet that's going to be habitable and um, going to start uh, a new new civilization of humanity on this new planet. They don't know what to expect when they get there. But this – they're basically – what they've done is they've, they've found genetic donors. So these kids have parents, but they don't know who they are. It's basically genetic donors. So they basically breed these kids and then train them in isolation for the first few years of their life so that they won't miss Earth. They, they're they inside a facility. They've never seen the outside. And they train them this way so that they won't miss Earth. And they aren't even going to reach the planet. They are just – they are training this their a crew, a young crew – 
and their grandkids are going to reach the planet. So they're not okay. even going to reach the planet. Their whole life is basically a mission. Okay, so we like before like you know cryostasis technology in the yeah. sci-fi world. They're uh-huh. essentially like a holdover crew to just do the voyage and then get the next generation or the generation after that to the planet. Yeah. And they're not going to start having kids and they've got it. Like everything's laid out on a schedule from like, you know, command that they aren't to have kids until they're 24. And so basically what happens is like these kids, they start this journey. Uh, they're joined by Colin Farrell, who is like their kind of like their mentor on earth when they were in training. And this guy has nothing for him on earth. His family is gone and he really feels connected to these kids. He wants to be there to take care of them on this voyage. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to go. And they're like, you know that you're never going to make it there. And he's like, I'm giving, basically I'm giving my up my life on earth to make sure that these kids have someone to look after them on this voyage, you know, as, as they get started. And so these kids, once they're on this ship and they're doing this mission, they're very, and I'm telling you, like, they are like the ultimate geek squad. Like, they can fix shit. They can, like, you know, they're, they're, they're like, they're like piloting the shit out of this ship. They know every nook and cranny. Everybody has, like, their own job on the ship. You've got one guy who handles the food. You've got one guy who's like, you know, uh, you've got the chief medical officer. You've got everybody on the ship that does their job. Well, one of Ty Sheridan's character, he was uh, he played Cyclops in the in the newest X Men movies for Fox. Mm-hmm. He finds out that they're putting this this toxin in in the food, and it's called T fifty six J. He doesn't know what it is, and he eventually finds out what it is. It's it's they put it in this drink that they call the Blue, and it's supposed to make them docile reduce their pleasure and basically keep them more focused when he finds when he finds out about this he's like tells this other guy zach like this is what they're doing and so these two decide that they're not going to take the blue anymore and so as soon as they stop taking the blue they start, you know, like their hormones start raging and they, their testosterone starts pumping. You see these two like wrestle each other. All the other kids are doing physical fitness stuff. Like they're on treadmills and stuff. And like these guys are just like wrestling each other. And like one kid beats the other kid and gets up and starts like pounding his chest and screaming. And you're just like, Oh my God, you know, you're, you're just seeing like the testosterone. They've basically, they've never had these emotions before. They've been suppressed this entire time for their, uh, for their lives. For like the first 15, 16 years of their lives, they've, they've not had these feelings, these urges. And now they're starting to have like these sexual urges, um, you know, uh, and things just start to get out of control. And I won't get into spoilers or anything like that, but they start taking over the, like, you know, a lot of kids start, uh, getting off the blue and, a lot of they just start having it turns into very much like Lord of the Flies, and Ooh, okay. and you've got different groups that are you know they've separated. <laughs> you know I should be the leader of the ship. I should be the leader of the ship, and and it starts going. It starts getting violent on the ship, and um, you know what? It's got a twenty five percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and I I do not agree with this at all. I was engaged the entire time in this movie and uh, really wanted to see where it was all going to go. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm going to give this one a high tasted. I think 
I think uh, I think it's definitely oh, worth wow. a watch when it comes nice. out. I, I think it's definitely worth a watch. I don't know what all the criticism is about. Um, honestly, I don't care. I, I didn't even check the score until after I got out of the movie, and I was kind of like surprised that it had such a low score. But I really enjoyed. It. I thought it was a good science fiction kind of, you know, just kind of like Lord of the Flies on a ship. Yeah, and, mixed uh, with a little bit of like what was that film? Equilibrium, where they used to take those pills to deaden all of their sort of human cravings and senses and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and this is, uh, and there's also kind of like a, a, um, is there a, like, there's always like this, is there a supernatural element going on too? Is there like an alien, excuse me, an alien element going on? Because there's this, these weird noises in the ship and, and they think it could be aliens. And so there's this mystery of, you know, are we going to see aliens in this? But I liked it. I'll give it a high taste. It's called Voyagers. And, um, I thought it was very good. And I think, uh, once this one, uh, is available to, to rent on VOD or if it hits a service, I think it's definitely worth watching. So yeah, that's Voyagers. Oh, that- that sucks that I couldn't get to see that because I would have actually watched that if any of the cinemas were open over here. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I got to see it for I got to see it for like four dollars and fifty cents on a Tuesday. Oh, nice! Yeah, the matinees here, oh, man. Nice. Like they're they're super cheap. So yeah, uh, what lies below? This one dropped on Netflix. Uh, a socially awkward sixteen-year-old meets her mother's fiance. A man whose charm, intelligence, and beauty seems too perfect to be human. It's written and directed by Bradenard Doomler, and it stars uh, a bunch of people I don't know except for Mina Savari. And uh, it stars Troy Iwata as Tommy, the fiancé, and then Ema Horvath plays the 16-year-old girl. And uh, Shy, what did you think about What Lies Below? Oh, sorry, Brian. This actually didn't drop. Uh, for me on my my Netflix, unfortunately, so I didn't catch this. Okay, okay, uh, Dan, what did you think yeah. about this one? Um, I'm not uh, a massive horror guy. I do like certain horror films, but I'm very very picky when it comes to horror films. Um, I love me some Lovecraftian horror, which this had sort of little kind of inklings of, which was good. Um. But this film made me feel physically sick, so I'm going to toss it. <laughs> um, also, uh, the guy that played um, the fiance is uh, John Tucker. Sorry, Trey Tucker. Oh, is that his name? I don't know. I didn't yeah, care. To- the Tommy character is one of the boys at the beginning. Okay. I watched this one early in the week, and I also fucking did not like it. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't really give a fuck about getting uh, the fiance's name right, so that's fine. I just thought I'd just say because uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be. He, I, God I forbid, I'm called out on Twitter about this shit. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I don't think you got anything to worry about with what goes on in this movie. Yeah, it's um uh, again, uh, like I said earlier about Thunder Force, it's um mm, the CGI is not as good in this. It's a quite ropey, in fact, in parts. But again, shot very well. Music's very good. A lot of the acting was good. Some of it wasn't quite so good. But yeah, this uh, there was a film that came out years ago called Spliced. I don't know if you ever saw that, which was 
um, uh, scientists like raises this kind of like half human, half fucking weird alien baby thing. I remember that and, movie, yeah. Yeah, and that film ended with a kind of similar uh, thing that happens in this, and that also made me feel sick. So uh, I fucking hate that film. Mm. Yeah, this this gave me. This well, gave me was that joke. the one? Was that the one where they were breeding uh, Adrian Brody's nose? <laughs> 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 Maybe. It's been a long time. I saw it once. <laughs> but no, I'm joking. That was with Adrian Brody, right? When they're when 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 they breed that species in the lab, and then he falls in love with the yeah, creature. He- yeah, he fucks yeah. it, and he fucks it, and then the creature grows like a giant penis, and then fucks his wife. That's, you oh, know, that, that was yeah, that one made me nearly throw up. And this one, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but this one also made me feel incredibly sick. But most of the way through it, so. I think I think I should warn people that there's a scene where he fucking tastes a girl's period blood in a yeah, it's fucking Ooh. disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, that was when I, because I was like, this is kind of a run of a mill. Yeah, the guy's a bit weird and all the rest of it. And, well, and, now he's and drinking that, his period. He's drinking the period blood. Yeah, and then I, I, I literally, my head shook backwards and forwards, and I made this noise. <laughs> yeah, because um, I was just not expecting that, and because everything he was saying up to that point. I understood, like, he was trying to cover his tracks and things. He was, like, saying, like, okay, let's set up the scene, because it's an interesting scene. They're getting some samples from a lake in a little boat, and the the daughter... um, he, he got a sample of his own, didn't he, Dan? Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the daughter um, has her period, and there's... A little bit of water in the boat, so like it kind of mixes with the blood, and you, he sees it come out, and so he like grabs his shirt and he kind of like stuffs it between her legs, and she was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And he says, "I." He was like, "I'm sorry, I'm just awkward. I just reacted. I don't really. I'm not very good with other people. Like he's socially awkward. That's what he kind of says." And then he goes like, "We're both scientists, so you know this is completely normal. Not his reaction, but like what happened. He's trying to stop her embarrassment." And um, because she's like a kind of archaeology student and he's this kind of marine biologist dude. And um, and so he says that. And I was like, well, that's a very clever line. And he's socially awkward. And I was like, OK, I, maybe he's not mad. And then he dips his fingers in the blood and then licks it. And I was like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> what, what the fuck's happening? Um, and then he takes his then he takes his fucking this. McDonald's fries and dips those <laughs> in there. Dude, dude, fuck this movie. It's a abs- it's a toss it. I it it started off like trying to do some interesting things. Yeah. And I think it just falls apart and it's not it just I don't know. It just wasn't It, it, it reminds me of that movie that uh we watched a while ago with those people in the cabin and the thing the 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 girl who was like a dem- like she was in a cult and then the husband like starts dating her and shit and the you remember that in the snow and she kills a dog and you know, she ends up fucking to like kill everyone. It reminded me of that. It was like, there was, there's all these moments where oh, the yeah. characters flip like their intentions and their reasoning and everything about them that we've seen up to a certain point just go 180. And it, it's, I mean, I like the idea behind the actual, you know, what's happening and stuff. Because, again, it's quite Lovecraftian, and I like that sort of stuff. 
Um, but the fucking character motivations and the, the, it's just terrible. It's like you just things happen and the, the character reacts a certain way, which is the literal opposite of what they did before. And it's oh, it was fucking awful. And it's it's one of those horror films. I'm not going to ruin you know the fucking plot or anything like that but it doesn't have a good ending and i don't fucking like that i hate it when a film makes me feel like shit when i've just sat there and watched it for an hour and 40 minutes and that's exactly how it made me feel i was very uneasy especially after the point in the boat and the shower scene too yeah, exactly, man. And that was that was directly after the boat scene. Like, it just it's just creepy as fuck, and made me feel really uneasy. And I'm sure that's the point. Uh, I don't like feeling that way. I wanted to jump into the TV and beat the fuck out of that guy uh, at all points, and just grab the mum and the daughter and just go, just fucking run. And <laughs> that's that's uh, it. Just I don't know. It just it didn't sit well with me because there's other horror films that I genuinely love and this wasn't one of them which is i'll say it's a shame it's not a shame this was terrible yeah it was, it. it was trash hey uh shy what do you have for good pop bad pop sir um yeah i actually um i i don't have much other than the stuff we watched but um i want to talk about this uh, one youtube show i've been catching it's um they're called corridor crew um, so they're actually like this VFX house and they make their own videos, but they have these, uh, this other channel where they just do, um, they do like analysis on movies and TV. Like they break down stunts and they bring in like the stunt actors for like Black Panther, um, you know, like the Punisher. Um, and then they break out the stunts with like the stuntmen and really like go through what they went through to, um, like achieve those shots. And likewise, they also have like a VFX, um, uh, program where they break down, like, VFX shots, and they brought in, like, the VFX house that did Endgame. Um, so it's really, really cool stuff and, like, really interesting to, like, actually sit down with these people who worked on these projects and get insights into how much uh, work they put into to achieve these shots. Um, um, it's really cool. Like, if you love movies and TV, like, you'll love seeing this stuff because sometimes some of the shots that just seem so basic to us um, cost like so much money to make for even something that you, you see on screen for like two, three seconds. Um, so it's just really, really interesting behind the scenes kind of stuff. And, and they really break down like everything um, from big budget movies to um, smaller stuff as well. That's cool. I'm going to have to check that out. YouTube, it's called Corridor Crew. Yeah, exactly. So C O R R I D O R crew. And uh, the hallway crew, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What are you rating it? Uh, yeah, this is a Tupperware for me. Like I've binged all of their programs. They're, they're really, really great. They're super funny as well. I'll have to check that out. Dan, that sounds like something you'd check out too. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. I mean, maybe they can even give a, give Kay a shout and she could be a guest. Oh yeah. Yeah. We... <laughs> like special effects and stuff like, like uh, so I was saying about how those, those shots that you just, it's like fucking one and a half seconds in the film and someone spent like a week doing all these things that you have no idea <laughs> it just it's seamless when it comes out and then but someone's worked like you know just checking every single fucking detail um on those sorts of things so yeah they should they should give, give k a shout absolutely absolutely yeah. 
it's re- it's really cool. Like one of the shots they use, like on Avatar, and then they have like these uh, waterfalls in the background. Or no, sorry, not Avatar, but it's, um, I think it's one of the Star Wars films, and they have like a waterfall in the background, and it's just basically they're pouring sand out of a hand and then compositing that into a shot. And so, like when you drop sand slowly from a distance, it looks like a waterfall because essentially what a waterfall is from like a far away distance is the water splashing. So when you see it on screen, you're just like, whoa, that like, I wouldn't even know that was sand. So it's just really, really cool stuff. And when uh, kids are eating ice cream in commercials, it's actually mashed potatoes because ice cream, (laughs) (laughs) it's true. (laughs) Ice cream doesn't melt. It doesn't melt. Mashed potatoes don't melt, bro. (laughs) Covered in crazy. Mm, Yum. Ah, mm, my favorite. (laughs) Do you want cherry and chocolate sauce and that? No, it's fucking crazy. Back off. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Uh, let's see here. So, yeah, that's Corridor Crew on YouTube. Uh, who got a chance to see Night in Paradise? Yep, I did. Shy? No, I did not catch this one. Fuck. What the fuck are you doing here, really then? useless guest. Yeah, honestly, I, I was panicking. You were going to fucking throw this in my face. No, but I just didn't get a chance to see this particular film. Uh, after his sister and nephew are murdered because he tried to leave his gang, um, Tegu flees to Jeju Island where he meets uh, Jayon, a terminally ill woman. Uh, Night in Paradise is a southern Korean drama film written and directed by Park Hoon Jung. Starring Um Ta- uh, Um Tegu, Jin Yo Ben, and Cha Sung Won, and um, this movie—it's kind of—it's a like a Korean gangster movie, but it's also got drama elements in it. And uh, I'm going to throw this out there right now. This was my favorite thing that I watched this week. Yeah, I. Oh my god, Dan, you didn't like it? Are you fucking kidding? I love this. Uh-huh. No, I'm just, I don't know what else you've watched. <laughs> you just gave something a, a high taste it. You gave Voyages a high taste it. So this is a, it. this is, well, this is an absolute Tupperware for me. So wow. I, I loved Night in Paradise. I thought that this, I loved this. I, I was super invested in the characters. Um, I just thought it was such a, a really cool pairing of this guy who basically his, uh, sister and nephew are murdered um and all the twists and turns and then he meets this woman who's terminally ill and is going to die and i man i i i i thought the i thought it got super violent when it needed to get super violent and um i loved the ending to this and um it was two a little over 2 hours i think it was 2 hours and 12 minutes Mm. But it flew for me, and I loved this movie. I was I was hooked. It sounds like you didn't like it, Dan. Did oh god, what was I gonna say? Oh, did you watch it with uh, dubs or subs? I watched the dub. Okay, because I started with the dub, and it annoyed me because it was like bad anime dubbing. So I turned it off and I put the Korean with the subs on. Um. Did you say you Tupperware this? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I loved I it. I Tupperware this too. <laughs> I'm shocked. Jesus Christ. I, I Tupperware this too, man. It was, it was fucking awesome. Um, it was, it was long. Um, 
I know it's only two hours, and we just did fucking four hours of Justice League or whatever. But um, yeah, it was uh, the beginning. I was fucking hooked, absolutely hooked from when um, you know, like it's. I'm not spoiling anything in the beginning. It says it in the synopsis. So. Tegu's sister and his niece, uh, he meets them at an airport and they basically get into a car and they're going to go somewhere and they get killed on the way. And the difference between Tegu when he's meeting his niece and they're fucking laughing and joking and he buys her a present and, you know, he's like waving like a stupid uncle that he is. And even his friend who's his bodyguard is like waving like a tit as well. Uh, Sorry, you guys still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm just listening. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so that that bit in the airport, man, is like, you know, she's like waving out the, the, the window and he's waving like a moron and dancing around and then his buddy, who's like his bodyguard, is waving and dancing like an idiot as well. And you go from that, that that, that guy that loves his family, loves his sister and, and his niece, and then after what happens. And the, uh, one thing I really appreciated in this movie, because it was such a violent film later on, um they didn't do anything gratuitous with the sister and the niece. It was a very nice, uh, it was an art, like a very artistic shot of debris from the vehicle and just the box of the present that he gave his niece with just the, the smallest bit of blood. And that was fucking enough for me. That crushed me in my heart. It was terrible. And then from that point on, this guy is, he's like a fucking blank slate. Like he's just, they say like, oh, we're going to send you to this island, and he's just like, yeah, do whatever you like, and he just like in in the in the Korean as well, he just made the lines and all the scripts so much more impactful. So I mean, if you want to watch it again, I would give it a go in the uh, original Korean because it's I found it so much more enjoyable. And then I thought I thought the dub was fine. I was not bothered by the dub at all, to be honest. Well, with that's you. that's cool. That's cool, man. It's uh, yeah. I just it. I've watched you know a lot of anime dubs, and it, it just felt very anime to me. It didn't. It was more. It felt more like a, like an anime than an actual like movie. So I, I did. I wanted to. I really wanted to kind of like get stuck in. And um, so that's just me. It's my personal yeah. Well, I mean, he goes to uh, he goes to get revenge against the people that he believes that you know ordered the <laughs> the hit on them. And yeah, I mean, it's a super brutally violent scene at you know that it's like a bathhouse. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, dude, it is like it's like how do I put this? It's like a Korean version of like in, in parts like John Wick. Um, meets fucking Leon, you know. Um, oh yeah. Uh, but all through this like Korean cinema lens, it is. Yeah, it, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And uh, even though some of the the um, some of the moments, I know people are going to find them kind of like, hard to like stick to because uh, uh, <laughs> different styles between like Western and and Eastern cinema and stuff like that. But like, there's a lot of kind of like, long drawn out shots. And there's a lot of very slow-paced conversations between, uh, especially between uh, Tegu and um, uh, Ya Yun. Uh, but please stick with it because, like Brian said, uh, the end of this. Oh God! <laughs> it's super satisfying. It is one oh, of the most satisfying really? endings. I mean, I I loved I loved her character. I loved her character. Yeah. She's a yeah. she's fucking. I mean, there's so much 
that they give her as far as like she's terminally ill. She knows she's mm-hmm. going to die. She has a 10% chance of living if she stays in South Korea and a 20% chance if she goes to the U.S. for treatment. She knows she's going to die. And so, I mean, it's it's crazy to see her talking with some of these Korean gangsters that are, like, threatening her life. And she don't give a fuck. No, she does not. And uh, that old adage of uh, there's nothing scarier than someone with nothing left to lose. Right. And she is. She, I tell you what, man. I know I'm comparing different things, but I was watching it and I just went, I was like, fucking hell, she's Doc Holliday. She reminded me of Doc, Val Kilmer's Doc Holiday from Tombstone mm. because, you know, he had tuberculosis and he didn't give a fuck anymore. That's exactly what she was like. Yeah. Oh, man. What a fucking character. Yeah. It was so good. This is on, this is on Netflix and I don't think it's yeah. good. I don't think it's getting a lot of attention right now. Um, I, you know, I like, if you were to compare the numbers of people that are watching this compared to the people that are watching Thunder Force, the numbers are just going to be so different. Like, <laughs> More people are watching Thunder Force, and this is a much better movie. Like, I know that, like, more people, more people are gonna watch Thunder Force. It's a comedy and stuff like that. But man, if you like, oh my god, if, um, I'm trying to think of like, yeah, I guess if you like John Wick, if you like the Raid movies, if you like, um, I, I felt good fellas, good fellas vibes. Yeah. Parts with the gangsters were all talking. Uh, the, um, I, I would also say the night was it the night comes for us. That was another super violent Netflix, uh, movie. Yep. You, I think, I think you'll love this movie. Yeah. It's two hours and 12 minutes and yes, you can watch it sub or dub, but man, I loved it. Night in paradise is an absolute Tupperware. This is the best thing I watched all week. A hundred percent. This movie was fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, just, uh, I mean, yeah. It was just one nitpick for me. I know I've got a fucking nitpick. I'm terrible. Uh, some of the music was a bit fucked up. It took me out of scenes and stuff. But aside from that, like especially after I turned the, the dubs off, I was just sucked in. And I was just like bated breath just watching these characters talk about some serious shit. And, and it's shot beautifully and acting is fucking fantastic. And yeah, the story's just great. And if he don't, if he doesn't punch you in the chest in the first sort of like ten fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. that 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 poor little girl, man, just fuck. Oh Dude, there's God. like there's like thirty minutes left in this movie, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself. Oh my god, I love this movie so much. I love this movie so much. Like, yeah. I, I, in a way, I didn't want it to end. It was so no, fucking right, yeah. good. Yeah, totally. Uh, that there's a there's the scene in one of the scenes that take place in this warehouse. It, it goes on for a long time, and it is just uh, edge edge of the seat, just <laughs> fucking oh, insane shit happening yeah. all the time, and just. But again, not like you know crazy fucking explosions and blah 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 blah. It's not like that. It's it's more downplayed, and yes, it is very gory. Dude, parts. all the guys that played the Korean gangsters were fantastic. Uh, yes, the one guy that were. played um uh young you say for, oh, okay <laughs> was such a slime ball but so good yeah, totally oh my god <laughs> yeah my favorite my favorite gangster in the whole thing was henchman number 11 as he came out on the uh came out on the fucking subtitles it was this guy he's a piece of shit he's the guy that um uh uh meets um yay like 
Oh, I can't save because he'll ruin it. But um, anyway, he's the guy. He's really nonchalant and he's a complete piece of shit throughout the whole thing. And he made me laugh so much because he was such a dickhead. Yeah. But um, yeah, man. It's just uh, even that guy was an extra. He didn't even have a fucking name, and he was still fantastic. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. brutal. Um, fantastic car chase as well, which was awesome. And that ends in this fucking insane thing as well. It's just great. It's just. <laughs> It's just a great movie. Yeah, I, when I, I, when I, I'm when glad I, you told me to watch it because I, I probably would have missed it. So I'm really saying thank you, man, for getting me to watch it. it was absolutely, great. dude. It's one of those movies where, like, when I read the synopsis and saw that it was a Korean kind of like, you know, gangster crime movie, I was like, mm. man, I said this has some really good potential to be great. And um, as it just, what, oh, Korean cinema fucking killing it at the moment. Oh yeah! Oh, I agree, dude. I agree, a hundred percent, dude. Very good. Yeah. I mean, Train Train to Busan is one of the best films to come out. Yeah. Like, the last ten years. Soul it's, Station was great. Um, yep, amazing. I mean, I, I know. I, I and Parasite got not my favorite, but Parasite just ran away with awards, and, and most people fucking adore that film. It, it was it was very good. But, uh, I think I got hyped up too much, but it was still I, yeah. very, very good. I loved Parasite. I, I, I that year you could have given it to Parasite or 1917. I would have been happy with either because I loved both yeah. of those movies. But I'm I'm happy for the director. I'm very happy for the director. I thought the I thought Parasite was fantastic. Um, and then yeah, most this recently, actually makes you want to go back and watch some of Park's other work because I've never seen anything else that he's done. Uh, Stephen so, Yun in uh, in Minari. I thought Minari was really good. Oh yeah, Minari was great. I I really really liked that. Um, me and Cat watched that together, and there were points of that where Cat literally like she figured out what was going to happen in certain bits, and she just went, "Oh no!" And I was like, because she oftentimes gets things in films before I do, and I was like, "What?" And then she said, "I don't want to say anything." I was like, "Fucking tell me!" And then she said this particular bit, which ended up happening, and I was like, "Oh my god!" But yeah, it was um yeah, Minari was great, man. Again, it's a lot of very sort of. It's more downplayed. It's less explosions and fucking, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's like, it's a lot more kind of human stories. And yeah, this, uh, Man Paradise was, uh, yeah, right up there, man. Really good shit. Tupperware. I loved it. Oh my, you know what else I love? And I'm going to start. <laughs> no, I'm not going to make the announcement yet. I'll make the announcement soon. I'll make the announcement soon. Nah, no, fuck it. I'll make it now. I don't give a shit. Starting with episode 380, I'm going to start watching the Fast and Furious movies leading up. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. So starting with episode 380, I'm going to give short reviews on the Fast and Furious movies. I've seen the first three, but it's been like, you know, when did that first one come out? 2001. That's the last time I saw it. So I'm going to mm-hmm. be watching the Fast and Furious movies starting with episode 380 leading up to Fast and Furious 9, which I will go see in the theater. Because, man, I, when I go to the theater and I watch the trailer for the newest Fast and Furious, and when his fucking car, like – like gets hooked onto that cable and flies around that mountain. I'm like, what? The? It is fucking insane. I laugh. I laugh hysterically every time I see that trailer. I have got to watch these movies. So yeah, I'm going to be starting with episode 380. I'm going to start. I've already put it in the notes. I'm going to start watching the fast. I've already told Jake too, and he's excited. So yeah, starting with episode 380, I'm going to start watching the fast and furious movies. That's, that's a fucking great idea man because i mean i watched i watched the first one and uh, I, I really enjoyed the first one second one not so much and then i kind of fell off off the tokyo drift but as the years went on 
me and my friends started to kind of pick pick them up, and the more ridiculous the films got, um, I think at Fast Five, uh, we all started going as an enormous group to the cinema on opening <laughs> night every time a new Fast film came out, <laughs> because it's become an event for me and my friends, and we know what it's going to be like. We know it's going to be ridiculous, and we let, literally get to take our brains out of our heads, put them in our bags, and just watch what happens, and laugh and shout and clap and do whatever we like. And most of my friends are massive, like, petrol heads as well. They love cars. And so we all go together, and I think, I mean, one time there was about 15 of us all sat, like, along the back row, just whooping and hollering and fucking having the best time. So, um, yeah, these films have become an event. Like, they they know what they are, and they are fun as fuck, and they don't they don't care about physics or or anything like that. They just make things explode, and, and they're, they're, they're dumb and fun, and they're great. That's my kind of movie. That's, I love that kind of shit. Just turn my brain off and have fun. So I'm going to start watching the Fast and Furious fucking yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, Shy, did, okay, speak, speaking of things that you may have, may, may or may not watch, did you watch Two <laughs> Distant Strangers? Yeah, yeah, I did watch this. Yeah, this is, uh, Two Distant Strangers on Netflix. It's a 32 minute short film. In Two Distant Strangers, cartoonist Carter James, Repeated, uh, repeated attempts to get home to his dog are thwarted by a reoccurring deadly encounter that forces him to relive, relive the same awful day over and over again. It stars Joey Badass. That's his name. I don't know. And, uh, and Andrew Howard and Zaria Simone. So, uh, yeah, it's basically a story of a guy who, it's one of these, uh, you know, repeat the same day kind of things. And this guy repeats the same day. But every day he gets shot and it's, he's a black guy that gets shot and killed by a white police officer every day. And, um, what did you think about this one, Shy? Um, yeah. So, so like you said, like it, it, it's a black guy who like leaves this, uh, he, he slept with this girl and he leaves the apartment building. And every time he goes down, he has this encounter with this cop and it turns violent and then he gets killed. And this is just on repeat. Um, yeah, I, I think it was pretty shocking. Like the first, like and without giving too much away, but the the first death was, um, you know, him getting choked out, and that was pretty violent. Like I got pretty sick watching that, and it was actually an ode to the whole uh, Black Lives Matter movement, which which started with uh, George Floyd. So it was pretty impactful. It was, um, it was crazy to see this loop um, go on and on, and and seeing him getting killed and many different ways and um at the end the credits have this whole uh role where it goes to um show all these people who got killed innocently just minding their own business so it was a pretty shocking uh short film i pretty i I like i enjoyed watching it but yeah it was it was shocking and it was disturbing um for sure yeah i think it it was it's an interesting way to for you know this director the creator of this to kind of use art to make a make this point and i'll be honest with you i was thinking to myself have we ever seen a black lead in like one of these repeat the same day kind of movies and i can't remember that we have and the first time that we do it's it's this and it was really powerful it really was and i was you know at, at times i was i don't want to give away the ending but man like there's a scene where the 
where, you know, he, he keep, it keeps happening. He keeps waking up next to this girl and starts talking to this girl. And he's like, you know, and she tells him like, why don't you just talk to him? And I think that sometimes, you know, like, that's what I want to believe is like, maybe that's like the big, that's the big solution is like, if everybody would just talk with one another and get to know each other, we'd find out that there, we do have similarities. You know, there's a lot of differences, but there are a lot of similarities and we can, you know, everybody has differences and similarities, but once you find the things that you can talk about, you know, friendships can form and, and we can start to change. And, and, um, I like that message, but something, you know, that's not, that's not what this is a hundred percent. So it's, so, you know, it, it does, it, that is brought into this, but it's not the, it's not the, it's not the big, it's not the big message. It, it's, I just don't, I, if I say much more, I'm going to spoil it. But I did, I did think that this was a very creative way for this, this director to use, to use film to, to make this point. And so I thought it was, I thought it was very impactful. Um, I will give it, I will give it a, uh, high taste it overall. Um, but I, I think, uh, it's a real quick watch, uh, two distant strangers. I think everybody, I think the acting was really well done. I I thought it was great, man. Like, um, for like, I'm not, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not white and like, if you if you're gonna watch this, like I I would suggest watching it and just going in with the mindset of like being in somebody else's shoes and being in somebody else's um, shoes who is a different skin color and like what it feels like sometimes to just get called out for no reason at all and you're minding your own business. I, I don't know if that's gonna convey the point, um, but I I found myself in that situation where I'm like you know being looked at or whatever in, in certain situations or airports. And, you know, I, I think that's a feeling that you can take for granted if you've never experienced it. Mm. So I think that's what this, this film does really well. It, you know, it's just this person is minding your own business, just, you know, slept with this girl. He's pretty excited, just wants to go home and feed his dog and he yeah. just encounters issues over and over again. Um, so I think that was a really powerful message. Like I, I could definitely see that like um, happening. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot more lately, I think with like a lot of media that's been coming out and, you know, like getting pulled over by the police. I've never felt like my life was ever in danger by getting pulled over by the police. It's just kind of like if you get pulled over, it's kind of routine. I just, you know, here's my license, here's my proof of insurance, and then we have a chat. But like, I also, on the flip side, it's like when someone, you know, a person of color gets pulled over, like they're scared for their life. And that's not a world that we should live in, you know? Yeah. And that's, I've been thinking about that a lot more and I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it that people that are just trying to get home to their dog or trying to get home to their families or just, you know, that are, that aren't doing anything, get pulled over for maybe having a headlight out or something like that. Now they've got to worry about am I going to be able to make it home or am I going to get shot and killed? And it's, it really, it, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and it's just, it's, um, I thought that this movie, the, the way that, you know, the way that everything kind of played out, it, it really, it just made you think. And it, it was an important message I thought. So, um, 
Yeah, hundred percent, man. Like, um, like I, I, I come from like Middle Eastern descent, so like the first time I flew to the U.S. like uh, out of a flight of nine hundred, me and this guy from like uh, North Korean descent were pulled out for like further examination, and I was obviously like shit scared, right? It's like my first time in the U.S. And I was just minding my own business. And then, like, the second check was, like, chill. Like, it was the guy who was just talking to me for, like, behavioral analysis. But, like, that's the type of situation where you're just, like, I haven't really done anything, but I'm being targeted because of some, um, you know, uh, predisposition. And I think that's, like, something you can sometimes forget. And this is what that movie really illustrates well. And, like, the villain in this movie was like really the worst of the worst kind of thing. You yeah. see that progressively throughout, uh, like he also develops right. in like a really like a grim, grim manner, like towards the end, it's just like, ugh, like you're almost vomiting. Right. Um, so again, like it, it, it's just a, it was a really, and I believe it was Oscar nominated as well. So I think this was a powerful message. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I'm going to watch it again. Um, knowing what I know now. Um, so I would really recommend watching this. So it was a good, good short. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's like when I, when I was talking about like people just need to talk, it makes me think of like that. I don't know if yeah, you've guys seen American history acts. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. And you've got, yeah. you got Edward Norton playing, you know, this, you know, Aryan, you know, uh, member that you know is all about you know white supremacy white supremacist and and he's then, a neo-nazi isn't he and yeah and then and then he's in the laundry room with this with this black guy who's in there and they start talking you know like it takes a long time but they start to talk and uh you know and they really open up with each other and and comes to find out that the the black guy's not even in there for you know, a, a, a major crime. He dropped the TV on his foot, you know? That he, yeah, he was stealing the TV, but to be locked up for that long and drop a TV. Oh, he dropped the TV on the, uh, on the cop's foot and it was like considered like a assault on a police officer and he didn't even mean to do it. And you know, but these guys get together, they start talking, they start laughing and like that's where the change happened. It's just two yeah. people that think they're so different. But then they start talking and they find out that they both can laugh together. They both can share stories together and they become really good friends. And that's where the change happens. And like, that's where I really wanted this story to go, Shy. <laughs> I really, that's where I really wanted, but man, they had the, the director had to make a statement here. And I, I 100% understand yeah. why this went down the way that it went down. So, um, yeah, it's it's. Do you it's, guys definitely. know who? Do you guys know who Daryl Davis is? Yeah, um, Daryl Davis. Uh, he's the the black guy that talks with the KKK, and, and he's converted a bunch of them. Yeah, two hundred of them. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a powerful story. I, I I've I've listened to him on podcasts before. That guy is that guy is awesome. Yeah. So just just as, as a thing, just like if if you know if anyone wants to sort of follow up on anything of what what the guys have been talking about, just search Daryl Davis. He's done a bunch of interviews. Yeah, he's a um, he's a black. Uh, I think he plays piano. Um, his blues blues musician, and yeah. he uh, befriended over two hundred members of the KKK. And when they and leave the KKK, talk- he's had a bunch of them give them <laughs> give him the, their their KKK uh, outfit. Yeah, it's incredible. So yeah, it's just an inspirational human being right there. So yeah, the whole, you know, like you're saying, Brian, sort of 
talking to people and realizing you have so much more in common than what you actually have different. Yeah, so check out Daryl Davis, fucking absolute legend of a human being right there. That's what this, see, and that's what this podcast, that's what, you know, that's what I want this podcast to be about. I want everybody to be able to come here and listen. And, cause we all love this shit, man. And it doesn't matter what background, what country you're from, what color you are. I, I mean, that's what, we all fucking show up to these Marvel movies. We all have that in common. I want, I want this, I want our community to be like a, like a safe place where nobody has to worry about that fucking bullshit. Cause, uh, and there's, there's, there's too much of it online. It's, there's too much of it. There's too much of it. There's too much of it yeah. on the real world. And, uh, man, we all need a place where we can just, we all need a cheers where everybody knows your day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We need a place where we can, like, enjoy stuff, but also shit on stuff together. <laughs> exactly. In perfect harmony. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see here. Next thing I want to talk about. Shy, I don't know if you got a chance to see this one. Shy, and here's the thing. Shy, when you show up, you usually watch everything. So I'm not going to give you too much shit. You usually watch everything. I think yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. I do. I know. You come in prepared, I man. Uh, yeah, it's just like you said, man. Like, I have, I have to commend you. Like, you come in here week after week, like, watching so much shit. You have notes on everything. Like, I don't know how you do it, man. Like, I had a busy week, and I couldn't get to everything. It's exhausting, like, watching everything and reviewing it and, like, having an opinion about it. So, yeah, hats off to you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's – I try. Mm. I really do. I try every week to yeah. get everything in. Uh Slacks. No. Yeah. Slacks. Let's talk about yeah. Slacks. Did – Dan, you saw you saw Slacks. Shy, did you get a chance to see Slacks? I, Brian, this is the one where I was like, you know, I'm probably not going to watch this. One. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> Slacks! It's spelled that, well. What's that makes premise? sense. What's the premise? Okay, Slacks. It's spelled S L A X X. Slacks is a Canadian horror comedy film directed by Elsa Kephart, who co-wrote the film with Patricia Gomez. The film is produced by Gomez with Anne-Marie Galinas and stars Romaine uh, Romaine uh, Dennis as a cashier in a clothing store who, with her fellow employees, are terrorized by a possessed pair of jeans. (laughs) 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 So it's it's a horror comedy film about a possessed pair of jeans... That go around killing people. <laughs> so we went from two distant strangers, <laughs> a very impactful movie, to slacks. <laughs> <laughs> Demon possessed jeans. <laughs> Dan, what did you think about slacks? I fucking love this film, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, 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 not, it's not a tough way, but there's a certain point in this film where it went up to a fucking high tasting for me. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into it because I obviously don't want to ruin anything. But um, there was a point where the jeans started dancing. <laughs> and, and to a particular kind of music. And that was it for me. I was fucking in at that point. <laughs> It was so dumb. I mean, but it turns out has quite an interesting, interesting message and a few themes. But fucking hell, yeah, yeah. I, I was laughing a lot in this. But yeah, it, I was kind of, 
I was kind of, oh, you know, oh, yeah, this is your typical kind of spoofy horror film. And then, and then that, the jeans dancing thing happened. And I was like, oh, maybe they're they actually going to go for something a little bit interesting here. And they did. Um, but yeah, it, which made, which made the film better. There's, there's a message in there. Um, but yeah, it was very interesting, man. You know, like themes about consumerism and capitalism and, you know, how a lot of these corporations are just full of shit and they think they stand for stuff but they actually don't they just want your money and um yeah a jean pair of jeans eating people (laughs) (laughs) there's a scene where the jeans uh there's there's a big pile up of jeans attacking a person and they eat his face off (laughs) yeah they eat all his skin It's fucking mad. <laughs> oh dear. Like, again, man, this is basically almost everything that you've asked me to watch this week. Um, it's, it's all been like, like I said, it, technically it's all been really good. Like it's well shot and, you know, and the acting's good and all the rest of it and, and <laughs> the special effects in this is hilarious because it's special effects. It's just a pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't even have fucking teeth or nothing. I loved how. What did you think about the mid credit scene? Did you go back and watch that? I did. It has, there was an end credit scene as well. But yeah, I watched. I watched the all the way through to the end. Yeah, the 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 green suit lady doing doing my favorite scene, doing the dance. Yeah, there's there's the jeans dancing, but it's a woman and she's wearing a green screen suit, and yeah. so but she's got jeans attached to her like. And, and so as she's dancing with her legs, the jeans in front of her are also dancing, and that's all you see on the screen. So it's basically – it's almost a practical effect. You know, they're just basically uh, scrubbing this, you know, this green suit out of the shot. I yeah. I, I was impressed by that. Um, I had fun with this. I wouldn't even give it a – I'll give it a taste it. Um, yeah, sure. But I thought – like I just thought it was stupid at first, and then they get into the origin story of the jeans, and I'm like, "Yeah, man, they put a lot of thought into this." They did, <laughs> they really did. It was just, it's just funny, and and again, fucking cat man, she called it. She called it straight away as soon as MG started dancing. She went, "Oh shit, that's what's up with the jeans," and I went, "What?" And yeah, she was right again. Wow. So that was the yeah, she clocked it immediately. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was very funny. It was funny. It I was, liked um, how the jeans had a logo on the back. They're like what? Are yeah. they? They're what size? What was it called? It's, it's just an SS. SS, but, like, but it uh, stood for something like size conforming size, size slacks or something. Yeah, I can't bloody remember now. Yeah, it like conf- I only watched it twenty minutes these, ago. These jeans conform to your to your shape, and so like even if you're five pounds underweight or five pounds overweight, they would conform to 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 your size, and. <laughs> But the the logo on the back, there's like <laughs> after the jeans would get a kill, part of the logo would fill in with red each time. Yeah. So it was almost like it was it was it was like getting notches, you know. It was like powering up like a computer game or something. Oh dear, yeah, I just fucking realized. That the- Yes, well, yeah, but it, I just realised the fucking the label SS is not good. Does not have good historical connotations. Oh god! Yeah, I didn't even first, think but... of that until I said it. Now that you said yeah, it, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, no, they're they're called like oh, I can't remember what they're called. They're called like 
size slacks or something. Size shapers they? or something like shit. Yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, I love that as well. The uh the they they were labelled as like the jeans that could fit any gender, but only if you're five pounds over or five pounds under the weight. <laughs> it's like okay. So <laughs> this is not for everyone. Yeah, I think it's well, a fun well, watch yeah. and it's only an hour and twelve <clears throat> minutes. Yeah, gory as fuck. Um, funny performances. Yeah. And um, uh, 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 Shruti, who's uh, played by Sahar, uh, I don't to butcher her name, Sahar uh, Bojani, is smoking hot as well. Oh, God. Which one, girl? She was. Oh, okay. Wow. She is. <laughs> I'm like, kind of woman. But yeah, she honestly she reminded me of Cat in the the whole uh, her attitude towards everything. I was like, Cat used to work in a fabric shop, and I was just like, she's just like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great film. That was really funny. Yeah, slacks. I think it's on Shutter, so I you know you can get it on video on demand, or you can watch it on Shutter. I believe it's on Shutter as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, you can get your uh, seven day free trial and stuff if you guys want to check it out. I just normally do, so you've done it already. I do AMC Plus, Dan. AMC Plus, oh, okay. and it's like seven ninety nine a month, and you get all of AMC. You get Sundance. You get IFC. Uh, you get all of AMC, and then you get AMC shows. They drop them like three days early. So like when you guys watch Walking Dead on Sundays, I've already seen it on Thursday. Oh wow! Yeah. Bastard. Yeah, it's, I love it. I love. I I think AMC Plus is is great. I think it's fantastic. I'm gonna drop my stars. I'm gonna drop my star subscription since they canceled American Gods. Fuck them. Yeah, you done. Had enough. I think I am done. Fuck them. They got nothing left there for me. There's nothing there that I care about. Yeah, it's funny the way that you know, like, well, I mean, for us it was satellite TV. For you guys, it was cable and. Everyone was like, yeah, cut the cord and we'll get streaming services. And now there's a million streaming services and some people are paying more for streaming services. I said this. For their cable. I said this. I said, uh, don't you remember the golden age of streaming when it was just Netflix and Hulu and mm-hmm. that was it? I said, yeah. just wait. Everybody's going to have a streaming service and we're going to start paying more than fucking cable. Yep. And that's where we are you now. You're 100% correct. So... Yeah called it fucking except for that uh, except for sony which sony just made that deal with netflix with their movies sony's not doing their own you haven't heard about this Uh, i might have done but i can't really remember all sony movies are going to go to netflix so like all the spider-man movies coming out and yeah anything from sony sony films is going to start going to netflix they made a big deal with netflix Mm, wow good for netflix well, there's that, there's that other, I can't remember what fucking service it is, but there's, there's a service which, if you, you can have two different payments, you have premium and then you have one where they run ads, um, but you still have to pay, but it's way, way less. Um, I can't remember it was now. Well, there's Peacock. I, I, I pay four ninety nine for Peacock and I get ads with it. But if yeah. I want like ad free Peacock, I, I think it's like an extra five bucks for the premium or something. So yeah, no, I think there's I think one of the bigger ones is thinking about doing that as well, having a lower paid option, but you get ads run 
sort of probably before an art, maybe before an art. You're right. I saw an article about that. I can't remember which service it was, though, that was thinking about doing that, though. Yeah, but I'm assuming it's because a lot of people are, you know, chopping down their streaming services because it's getting fucking ridiculous now. You know, people forking out so much money. So... I'm assuming that that's what they're thinking. It's like, well, if we put it down to like four ninety nine a month or less, you know, whatever it is, as long as we could have ads, then people might jump on that. So that might be something that's coming up that um people might be interested in. I don't mind the ads, honestly, because like I fucking just I just get on my phone when the ads pop up. Yeah, exactly. Just like you do when you're watching. Well, what I do when I'm watching normal TV. Yeah, yeah watching something live, which is very rare now. But when I do do it, it's um. You know, ad comes on and you go, oh, three-minute break, go make a cup of tea, you know, grab a drink. Right. Take your phone, whatever. Yeah, I can go in the next room. I can hear the fuck when the ads are over. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah, fuck stars. Fuck stars. Stars can't. Yeah, fuck stars, man. They also canceled Party Down. Do you, do you remember Party Down? Uh, Adam Scott, Party Down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was a great TV show. I really missed on it. I was really pissed off when Stars canceled that. Mm-hmm. This was just been, this was before streaming though. This was when it was still like network television, and they had to like get picked up for another season or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Stars pisses me off, man. I'm I'm really hoping they get to finish that American God story somewhere, but I'm not gonna hold my breath. Uh, Shy, I know you watched, uh, I think a couple episodes of them on Amazon Prime. This is the one thing I didn't get to watch this week. A black family moves to an all white Los Angeles neighborhood where malevolent forces next door and otherworldly threaten to taunt, ravage, and destroy them. And, uh, how many episodes did you get to watch? I, I watched the first two episodes. What'd you think about them on Amazon Prime? Yeah, so Dan, did you get a chance to watch this? Nope. No. Okay. Yeah. So actually, this um, this uh, again like ties into like kind of like what Two Distant Strangers was about, and it's uh, more about um, the separation between African Americans and um, Caucasian Americans in the 1950s. Um, so basically, his family moves to Compton, um, and this was when Compton was like, um, like. A predominantly Caucasian neighborhood, you know, like with the white picket fences and all that. And this family moves in, and like the first episode is basically just um, the housewives like hazing um, this family, like sitting in the lawn, uh, sitting on the street in front of them, just staring into the house. Um, and it has like horror and thriller vibes. Um, where it kind of lost me was it actually had, uh, it felt a little bit like you've seen Jordan Peele's like Get Out. Um, oh yeah, in his latest film Us, and it's I think it, it kind of feels like plagiarism. It kind of feels like plagiarism from those two films. Like even the title, like his film was called Us, and this is called Them. Holy shit! As, bro, I'm not even joking. And it's like the same type of um like these shrill horror scenes and it's like this like racial terror like where it's very like um white americans against african americans and it's very like it it has very much like the get out and us vibes where it just feels very terrorizing and then they also have this like kind of mm, ominous like 
ghost monster element that is in the basement. But we don't know, like, really. It, it's not, like, certified, but it has this, like, ominous feeling to it. Um, like, overall, like, it was just a little bit confusing. Like, it was, like, it felt a bit forced. Like, I felt like they were just trying to, like, take a concept that worked and, and repeat it. And I, I don't think it really worked. Like, they would have these scenes where... There's a scene where the husband is, like, walking through this hallway and there's all these, like, shrill um, sounds and visual effects happening. And it's just, like, like what for? Like, it doesn't really lead to anything. It just... So, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm going to watch a few more episodes, but so far, like, it just feels a little bit plagiarized. Is is You know when you, like when you read like a bad translation into English and you're like, okay, I understand what it's saying, but I can, I can tell that it's a bad translation. It kind of feels like that. Like I can it's see like, what they're doing, but it kind of, when you went yeah. to the video store and like transformers just came out in theaters, but you go to the video store and they got a generic version called transmorphers. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and this you're like, it. but okay. But then again, but then again, it's Amazon budget. This is an Amazon Prime production, so it's Amazon budget. So they have just like sick money poured into it, and like every again, like technically everything looks good. Like this seems to be the theme of this week. Everything just technically looks perfect. Like if you didn't see uh, Get Out and Us, and you saw this for the first time, you'd be like, okay, this is fucking sick. But having seen those other two things and kind of just taking that idea and not really evolving on it just really just taking it and repeating it um, with more money. It's just... And yeah. a longer format because you're doing a series. It. Yeah, I just kind of saw through it. Yeah. Like, I don't... And I think audience members are also not... You know, they're not dumb. But I think audience members are getting smarter and spoiled for choice. Like, what we're saying, what you're saying. Like, there's so many streaming services, right? I, I'm subscribed to three now, and that's replaced all my viewing. You know, I'm on Netflix, Prime, and Disney+, and Disney+, just added another... A uh, whole a uh, catalog of movies, and I think audience members are getting smarter. And I feel like this is a kind of thing where they're just like, "Yeah, let's just fucking do it." And we have the money, and uh, it paid out for them. So let's see if we can do it. And I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, the way you're describing it just makes me think like, okay, I saw us, and that's definitely going to be a superior experience to watching something that's trying to copycat it like what's the point i guess you get more yeah. episodes and it's more fleshed out because it's a series but on the flip side it's like why would i want to watch the same thing but done not as good as like what jordan peele who i think is like you know i think he's brilliant and yeah he's great so yeah yeah i don't know i don't even know if i'm gonna pick this up yeah I saw uh, the, um, watch the first episode. Sorry, go on, Dan. No, 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 carry on, dude. Crack on. No, that's it. I was just going to say, watch the first episode, and, and from there, see what you think. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I saw, because I, I, obviously, knowing we might be talking about it, I watched some reviews from some YouTubers that I trust, the Double Toasted, um, like black YouTubers, and uh, Chauncey K. Robinson, she does horror, and um, uh, they said that, 
most of the like if you're going to watch it this is for anyone that is sort of thinking they might watch it um there's some really upsetting shit in the in this the show in a few of the episodes and um the double toasted guys said that it could probably be contained into two to three episodes instead of ten wow so yeah um and those are those are to to YouTubers that I really do trust. They 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 know their shit. Yeah. yeah. And um yeah, so that's just a heads up from some research that I did. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like a lot of the scenes are stretched out um almost superfluously, I feel like. They're just like stretched out for the sake of being stretched out. Yeah, and you've got another eight episodes to go yet. Another eight, seven episodes to go. So, you know, it's um Yeah, I mean I've got another one or two to go if uh, but yeah, in total, there's ten episodes. It's like it goes to like day one, like the first episode is day one and two, uh, the third episode is day three, and then it goes on, and then up till day ten. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, but if you liked, you know, if you like to get out and us, and you know, then maybe give it a shot. You might like this too. Uh, before we get to Dan's good pop, bad pop. You know what? I am going to play the fucking this week's theme song for the Falcon and Winter Soldier that I was going to use. Okay. I'm not, yeah. not, not going to play two next week. Here we go. This is what I had lined up. Are you guys ready? Will we be out of here? Yeah, yeah you're going to be able to hear it. Have you not he- heard anything so far? Nope. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, no. We It's business as usual, right? We just stay quiet during the... All right, sure. then I'm going to pause. After the Messages will be right back. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you two will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we're back. I'm going to play that fucking song. Shy, you turned... I've never even heard of this fucking movie you were telling me about off air. Oh, yeah, damn, yeah, I, I should have mentioned this. Uh, I Love You, Philip Morris, great movie. It's it's Jim Carrey, Ewan McGregor, and, and they they're, they're, they play a, a gay couple that's in love, and Jim Carrey is just this uh, very conniving uh, con man, and it's about, uh, the movie's about their um, love affair. It's an, it's an amazing movie. It's such an underrated performance by both cast members, 
Uh, also, Leslie Mann is in it. Like so many good cast mm. members in this. It's a great movie. I love great. Leslie Mann. I'm so shocked you haven't seen this, dude. Man I've has- never even heard of it. I don't know how wow. this got past me. I've never even heard of it. And like, so I double checked. It's on Cinemax. It's on uh, Canopy. I got Canopy, so I'm gonna watch this one. Yeah, you really need to watch it. It's such a great watch. It's easy to watch, you know, and. Um, yeah, fantastic film. Really, just so, it's very, very funny as well. All right, all right. I'm gonna play. Here's here's this week's uh, theme song <laughs> uh, for uh, these are 70s, 80s, or 90s theme songs for a uh, fantastic duos, and uh, this is this week's. Here we go. I will go with play. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit? No, no. Dukes of Hazard? No! No! <laughs> oh my god! I will tell you that it stars. Larry Wilcox. I will not tell you the second person that it stars because that might give it away. All right. Yeah. Is it chips? (laughs) Holy shit. It is chips. Yeah, I totally cheated. I just fucking Googled Larry Wilcox. Oh, you son of a bitch. You lose, Dan. You're, you are disqualified, sir. <laughs> it was a good theme tune, man. I had some stank on it. I liked Didn't that. it? That was a banger. Very nice. Did you not like my guesses? <laughs> I didn't like Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> hey, at least I didn't fucking cheat. That's true. I will give you that. <laughs> what 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 kind of piece of shit is gonna cheat? You have gotta be the ultimate piece of shit to cheat. Yeah, of course. <laughs> First of all, I typed in 70s duo cop show, and then you just gave me the fucking name, so of course I'm going to write it in. Oh my god. Because <laughs> it sounded like a cop show. But, uh, yeah, and it sounded like the theme tune was from the 70s with the weird synth, because you said 70s, 80s, 90s. I was like, it's got to be fucking 70s. Oh my god. And then this big list of shit came up, and I was like, I don't fucking know what it is. <laughs> and he they, gave me his name. They've got a whole, like, section on YouTube called, like, Guess the 90s TV theme song, and it's like 12 minutes of theme songs. You know what, I love going and looking at, like, uh, intros and theme songs for 80s cartoons. I love watching that shit on YouTube. That's so much fun. Yeah, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the first '90s TV theme song. I'm gonna see if you guys could guess it. Here we go. Okay. Hopefully, it doesn't go to a commercial. This is yeah, of course, it's a fucking commercial. Granddad, <laughs> <laughs> this is 
Here's the first one. Yeah, whenever it wants to play. <laughs> Second commercial. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> you will hear the theme songs for 15 seconds. If you need more time, you can always pause the video. Good luck. Oh, come on. Fresh Prince. <laughs> Fresh Prince. Shy, you win. And the answer is... <laughs> the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. This is a fun game. <laughs> this is great. Here we go. Oh, we got, we got a, we got a. I got it. And the answer is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Dan, it's, we're tied one to one. <laughs> Here we go for the next one. A tiebreaker. Come on, this is easy. This is super easy. I know it. And the answer is, it, fuck it, Twin Peaks. It's Twin Peaks. We couldn't even hear it. You were talking. Yeah, we couldn't hear it. We got, it was so no, it was so low that it wasn't playing through. Uh, okay. And he was talking as well. Come on. <laughs> no, but when he talked, we could hear it. <laughs> here's the, okay. Here's the tiebreaker. That was Boy Meets World. What? That was a terrible theme song. Jesus, I used to watch that as well, and I fucking remember. I don't that. remember that. That was great. Really? That sounded like that sounded like somebody's just booted up their fucking Game Boy and they're playing a piece <laughs> of shit game. <laughs> I'm gonna play Kirby's fucking Dreamland. <laughs> what the? Shit. All right, hold on. One more. One more. That's terrible. Topanga, you should be ashamed of yourself. All right, Dan, you're the big fucking winner. Wow. You win. Dan wins. Dan wins. That was fun. Oh, uh, we have to do that with 80s cartoons, definitely, at some point. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. We should just do a Patreon episode where we fucking guess these theme songs. I should just have a bunch yes. of people on. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Wait, That's where you this do this kind of... Loads of fun. Yeah. That'd be a blast. All right, let's see here. Oh, yeah, um, Dan, what do you have for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Uh, just one thing. Uh, Resident Alien with uh, Alan Tudyk. Uh, I'm up to episode 10 and there's one more to go. It should have dropped last night, but it didn't. And I don't know why. Are you sure uh, it's, it's, are you sure it's just not 10 episodes and they're showing on IMDb that there's an 11th one and that's for season two? Well, I mean, it says 11 episodes and it might have, I don't know. It ended on such a big cliffhanger. That I thought there might be another episode. It's probably um, the se- that was probably the season finale, man. Because when it shows eleven episodes, typically it's usually a ten episode season, and they always have an eleventh episode up there for like the next. Let me. I'm. I'm. I'll let you talk about. It, but I'm. I'm gonna look it up here real quick. Okay, man. Well, yeah, it's a uh, Resident Alien. It's based on. Yeah, a- yeah. It's oh, ten oh. episodes for the first season, and the second oh. season they got. Yeah, that's how it works. God, that's such. IMDb a- does that all the time, dude. 
such an asshole cliffhanger, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks. Okay, well, it's um, yeah, it's a Resident Alien. I think it's based on a Dark Horse comic series, it which is, is still yeah. ongoing. Um, mini series. I think there's six issues per, you know, like run. Um, and uh, created by Chris Sheridan. And I think he was worked on Family Guy and some other things, a lot of other comedies. Um, I know you guys have spoken about this briefly before, but I just wanted to bring it up because this is my favourite shit that I've watched in months, possibly years. I it was like this show was made for me uh, from episode. I, I I cried laughing three times in the first episode. It just it's just my humour. It and Alan Tudyk just fucking kills as Harry the Alien. It, he's hilarious. All of his body language, all of his mannerisms, the way he talks is amazing and the the script is fucking incredible as well. Like the shit he comes out with is brilliant. Um yeah, so he's uh, uh Alan Tudyk plays Harry, who is an alien that lands on Earth. His ship crashes and uh, he takes over the uh, the identity of uh, someone that lives in this small town, and he becomes the town doctor. And he they try to solve uh, a murder that happens of the previous town doctor. And it's basically about him, um, you know, living in the town, this small town, and him trying to find the pieces of his ship so he can complete his mission. I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to give any spoilers away. Oh, I spoiled it. I spoiled that on our first. Oh, well, I mean that's fine. I think you probably figure. It, I think you could actually figure it out like at the yeah. end of the first episode. But I just didn't want to ruin it. It's fine. Um, but there's there's <laughs> depending how far you've gotten in this, there's twists and turns all over the shop throughout this and shit that. I didn't see coming, and um, I'm really pretty good at guessing where shows are going, but I, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And it's just, there's bits of it just blew my mind, like, plot-wise, um, everyone in the show is hilarious and just brilliant at what they do. Um, I think yeah, man, they, I think I they dropped it. it all on uh, Peacock, if you have Peacock. I think that's where it's at now. I know that it re- initially ran... On sci-fi. Yep, yeah. you can also watch it on Peacock as well if you have Peacock. That's awesome. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. And, you know, if, you, if you're an Alan Tudyk fan, I would say just go with it. because. And if you don't like it after the first episode, you probably won't like the rest. Because, of you know, humor, sense of humor is very um, uh, subjective and all the rest of it. But I absolutely love this. Uh, had a couple of episodes which were slightly... They, they were high tasted. It's not not Tupperwares, but every single episode in this show has been a Tupperware for me. I absolutely love this. I can't recommend it enough. It's hilarious. It deals with themes about humanity, what it is to be human, uh, community, love. It's fucking awesome. Absolutely love it. I'm through two episodes. I really uh, two or three. I really enjoyed the show. I just have not gotten back to it. I really need to make time for it. I've just been so invested in getting caught up on Servant and watching For All Mankind week to week, and then of course watching Falcon and Winter Soldier and Invincible. I still need to watch the newest Invincible episode, but I hear nothing but good things about Resident Alien, and it's one of those things where also Dan. Sci-fi has canceled so many great shows for me that I want to wait for that announcement. Have they announced a season two? I haven't seen one, no. 
They've, they've, they've got it penned on uh, IMDb, but that doesn't mean fucking It anything. means nothing okay. on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Might as well be, you know, looking at, was it fucking Now This or whatever that show is that quoted you the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got this covered. That's we got nice. this covered. God. <laughs> Who got a chance to watch? Yeah, so check it out. Resident Alien, Alan Tudyk on uh, Sci-Fi or Peacock. This is a robbery, the world's biggest art heist um, oh yeah, I gotta watch that. You did watch that, Shy? Did you get to yeah. watch any of this? Yeah, yeah, I did. I watched episode one. I, I, Dan, I actually watched all four episodes of this. Yeah, me too. It was the biggest art heist in history over St. Patrick's Day weekend in 1990. Legendary works by Rembrandt, Vermeer, and others worth over half a billion dollars today were stolen from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. This four-part documentary series from director Colin Barnacle covers the leads, dead ends, lucky breaks, and speculations that characterize the investigation of this still unsolved mystery. Dan, my biggest question to you is, do you think we're ever going to figure out, find it, find this art? Do you think that they'll ever find this art in our lifetime? No. Nope. Definitely not. And Did- if I knew that they hadn't found it already, I wouldn't have fucking watched this. Dude, that's what I kept waiting for is like the big reveal that like, oh, okay, we found it. Yeah, I, I should have read the fucking synopsis because you just said it's the unsolved mystery. <laughs> I was like, if I knew that, I wouldn't have fucking watched it. Well, I think a big part of them putting in this out on Netflix is that Netflix does have a lot of people watching it, and I think that they are hoping that people will, you know, kind of like a like, like a Tiger King, where you can follow yeah. up, or like a you know, um, oh, what was the what was the big uh, the like unsolved mysteries, and unsolved like mysteries, that, yeah, and then uh, the the one mur- oh god, uh, making a making a murderer, yeah. you know, like where they. It's, it's, they're hoping that this is going to be so big that they can do follow ups and, and maybe there would be more leads about like where this art is. So basically over St. Patrick's Day weekend in 1990, uh, two guys dressed as police officers get buzzed into this museum. They duct tape the guy working the front desk and then proceed to cut out of the frames, Rembrandt's, Vermeer's, Manet's, these amazing works of art worth so much money and uh, basically took off with these pieces of art and they have not been seen in 30 years. And this documentary goes down like the leads and all the things that they've had over the years of people who might have been able to pull this robbery off. They talk to like this famous art thief uh last name of miles and they 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 interview him was it him no he was he was in jail at the time and then uh you know and and then it goes into the italian mafia the uh irish mafia and like are there connections there and um i think that they did kind of narrow down who pulled it off but as far as like where the art is now who the fuck knows man but i i i I did think that this was a pretty damn good documentary, but man, it doesn't have a satisfying ending because we don't know where the fuck this art is. <laughs> so, Dan, what did you no. what did you think about uh, it? 
it was good, um, and I'm not being funny, I'm not trying to be an asshole or anything like that, but this does seem like it was a documentary made for an American audience, because something that I've discovered over the years is our voiceovers for documentaries and shows like on you know discovery and stuff um our voiceovers are very different to yours like they always repeat shit loads of stuff that you've heard before on your voiceovers i found this with Mythbusters, and i'm not making any assumptions but maybe the studios are but they could have condensed this down to at least two episodes instead of four because they go over the same things over and over again and it's like it's like hammering into you ah, this is the guy and blah 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 and this is what happened and yeah yeah it's like we fucking know this we've seen it eight times already so i mean that was that was my main problem with it as a documentary is it's not like gives you the facts shows you you know like a, a walkthrough of the plan of the building or whatever and then it moves on you see it like eight times throughout the course of the show um but yeah i mean aside from that it was it was interesting um, I didn't see it taking the, the mob swerve. I thought that was quite interesting that, you know, that because of Miles um, Connor, he was it Miles Connor. Yeah. Um, he, you know, made a deal with the FBI that if he got this particular painting back, they would half his sentence for him being in prison. And then it, it became like a myth or turned out to actually be true that if you um, have art, especially rare art, the FBI will make a deal with you and shave, shave time off your sentence. So I thought that was interesting. And that guy, he was the most interesting thing for me was he was like a fucking super villain because <laughs> do you remember what they said about him at the beginning? They were like, I oh, is this guy. And he was like, he was like a guitarist in a rock band and a singer and he was like, back in the day, he was shredded and fucking had these massive like gun arms, and and he was uh, he was a member of Mensa and was a, had a brilliant mind. And it, I was like, oh my god, this guy's a fucking supervillain. They shot him a bunch of times, and he was okay. He came out of hospital fine, and um, he's actually in it. And he got out of prison, and he he features in a documentary, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, man, it was just, it was such an unsatisfying conclusion, which is, we don't fucking yeah. know where they are. I, I think that they're putting it out there to, like, get more eyes on it so they can get more leads. Yeah, I think like, so, yeah. too. It's that whole Unsolved Mysteries thing. Right. I think that's what they're doing. Because it's it, like it was valued at $200 million. At the time, yeah. The, yeah, back in the day. And now it's, like, was it half a billion or something like that. It's like five hundred million dollars yeah. worth of art, and there's like honestly pieces. I honestly think something bad happened to the art. Like that's <laughs> like like some fuck. Like you're we're talking like if the mob got a hold of it, I'm thinking like some idiot fucking like put this in storage somewhere, and it wasn't climate controlled, and like these works of art are just ruined. Yeah, hundred percent. They're ruined. I completely agree. And they might have just set them on fire. You That's know? what I think. As well. Yeah, I think that the, it got too much. The heat was too much. Uh, no one would take them, and and the feds were coming down so fucking hard on everybody that I reckon they just destroyed them. There might be. Uh, I think the Rembrandt self-portrait might still exist, which is the That's, about the same size as yeah. four postage stamps. Yeah, that one that might still be around, and then possibly the um oh fuck, what's it called? 
the Tassanti, the one with the guy with the um with the bowler hat, the one that the that that guy's uh was it sister in law or something saw him hanging on the on the wall. Oh the the man A. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And so that was I was trying to remember the name of the picture. Um but yeah, that one. I think that might be around, but that fucking Rembrandt is, is gone the the christ on the seas of galilee that doesn't exist anymore it's gone it's burnt or it's mold or something yeah there's no way that you're going to take that painting and you know uh, lots of people that listen know i i i'm a trained illustrator i studied art for like six years there's no way you're taking the only seascape that rembrandt ever did and selling it on the black market without every fucking federal agent coming down on you it's just not happening and especially these and i don't want to be horrible to the uh the the mafia or anything but these like you know small time mafia guys in and around boston you picked one of the worst fucking bits of art you possibly could and it, it it's it's done i think someone burnt it, uh, it which is a shame because it's a great piece of work yeah i think it's gone i think it's it, all it gone it, it was interesting it was a very interesting story i was uh, it was clever the way that they kind of led you to believe what the feds feds thought at the time which was the the guy that buzzed the cops in Oh, Rick. Uh, something, to, something to do with it, possibly? Yeah. So like, kind of led you to believe that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty smart, because that's what I thought as well. Yeah, it was, there was a lot of, a lot of little twisty things going on, and it was, it was very interesting, but yeah, no, no satisfaction in watching a four hour documentary about this at all. Yeah, what'd you, what'd you think, Shy? Uh, yeah, I only watched, uh, episode one. Um, yeah, I thought it was getting interesting, but yeah, I wasn't really, like, super drawn into the subject matter, to be honest. Uh, but the way you guys describe it with the unsatisfactory ending, I'm just wondering, like, how this, like, heist went down in the end. It's just, like, this guy who was supposed to store them away. Yeah, I put them next to a radiator. They're going to be nice and warm. <laughs> they're going to be nice and toasty, boss. Boss, they're going to be right next boss. to the radiator. And they're fine. And, uh, yeah, they're going to be nice and toasty. So they're ready, good to go whenever you need them. And then they just go down there and they're just, like, melted into shreds. <laughs> Or these guys, like, you know, they, like, p- folded them up and all this shit. Who knows what the fuck they did with them? Oh, my God. I I cannot imagine that these works of art are not, like, unscathed if they do exist still. They're just mm-hmm. – uh, they, they're not going to be returned the same way. <laughs> if they ever get returned, they're not going to be returned the same way that they left the yeah. museum. They're going to be fucked up. I, I, I don't think them. I've ever seen more footage of empty fucking frames than I did in the four hours <laughs> of this documentary, dude. Yeah. The oh God. Yes. Panning shots of the room with where the paintings used to be. And I was like, fuck my life. I have seen this a hundred times already in the previous two episodes. Stop showing it. Get on with the bloody story. The fucking security but- that they had there was a joke, man. Oh my <laughs> God. A guy, the fucking guy, the fucking guy, Rick, the guy that was Rick (laughs) Abbott. Oh, that was so good. uh, And and one of the things I thought was hilarious was they were like, "Oh yeah, we hired this guy," and we, and they were like, the feds were like, "We don't think that 
Uh, what was that fuck they said? They were like, there's no way he should have opened the door for all these people at midnight and blah, 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 and saying, like, you know, he wasn't doing his job. Of course he wasn't doing his fucking job. The guy was lead keyboard in a band. He was a giant fucking drug user. <laughs> and me being from that particular world, being, you know, in a band and being a drug user back in the day on mushrooms and weed, and Rick here did, like, acid and shit, he was a Grateful Dead fucking fan. He was stoned off of his tits probably 24-7. So when you work in a museum, a giant castle, and there's you and one other guy, what are you going to do? You're going to fucking buzz all your friends in, you're going to sit around, you're going to smoke weed, you're going to fucking drop acid. His plans for that night night was to play his trombone. It's just like, if you don't expect this like giant stoner to just buzz in all his friends in the middle of the night, his shift started at midnight and it went on to what, like eight in the morning or something? So if you don't expect this man to party with his friends for eight hours and get paid for it, you're a fucking idiot. And I mean, it turns out that he was just that stupid you know the cop the people came dressed as cops he buzzed them in and then he buzzed them in through the second door and they're like we got a warrant for your arrest fucking stand up handcuff him tie him up down it's not like these thieves these thieves were not in and out like it they it, they they spent 81 minutes in there mm-hmm. yeah so, it was interesting i think that they, yeah. i mean uh it just I reckon that they knew what they were looking for. They probably had a list. and But the fact that the security guards came out of it unscathed is uh, it is good. You know, they were just there for the art and they took their time. They knew they wouldn't be bothered. Um, but it does, it's very suspicious that they knew all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, they probably cased the joint. You know, they probably know, they knew that there was only two people that worked there. And then we found out the other mafia families also cased the joint. They would go in the museum during the day when the public were there and have a look at the layout and have a look at the sensors and the security system. So, you know, a bunch of different families fucking looked at the place. It was just a matter of time. And I love the fact that the only thing they weren't insured for was theft. Theft, yeah, no shit. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll give, yeah, it, I'll it, give was... it a taste it. I'll give it a taste it overall. And I, I think it's... Yeah. Uh, I think it's an interesting watch, but uh, yeah, I, I I don't think that we'll ever get any conclusion as to like where this art is, and if it is, yeah. if we ever do, it's gonna it's gonna be fucked up. <laughs> the art, the art yeah. it is not gonna look the same. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'm the same, man. I mean, for what it was, it's difficult to kind of, you know, Tupperware documentary. There are Tupperware documentaries. But, yeah, this was just a run-of-the-mill, again, very well made and everything. It dragged out far too long. It was twice as long as it needed to be. But it was interesting. Um, But, again, no fucking conclusion, like, whatsoever. They're like, well, we don't fucking know where they are, and all these people are dead. Yeah, and (laughs) there's still a $10 million reward, so... Yeah, precisely. Right. Yeah, I'd taste it as well. If you're interested in art and you're interested in what happened, check it out. But yeah. if not, then don't bother. Absolutely. Uh, that's what I kept watching because I had to know. I had to know. Like, did, that's was exactly it ever... why I kept watching yeah. it and I never found out. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's jump into the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all 
all about it. It's a lot of news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. I don't even know what to think about this. Uh, I got I got a lot of thoughts on this. I didn't even know if I should put this in Marvel news. And let me explain. Uh, this is this is news from Dark Horizons. The other week, actor Russell Crowe was spotted hanging out with some of the Thor Love and Thunder cast while the group continues shooting their film in Sydney with speculation high that he has a role in the production. And we talked about that last week. Russell Crowe, you know, oh, we thought he's going to have a role in, in Thor Love and Thunder. And that still could be the case. But a source from an Australian gossip magazine, New Idea, has run a story picked up in the Daily Mail, which indicates Thor star Chris Hemsworth and Crowe are possibly considering a Gladiator sequel together. We've heard about this Gladiator sequel. It's picking up steam now with this new report. Specifically, the what? Re- Yeah. You haven't heard about this? No. Yeah. We've reported this on a past episode. They've been talking about it. Gla- he fucking dies at the end. He did die at the end. Let me get into this, and I'll explain it a little bit more. He did die at the end. That's why I'm confused. And, and well, all of this is – Dan, this is all confusing. It's all confusing. I thought that he was just showing up at the Thor Love and Thunder production because he had a role in it. We don't even know if that's 100% now. He could have just been there to talk with Chris Hemsworth about this Gladiator sequel. Specifically, the report indicates the pair are in talks to co-produce a follow-up to 2000's Ridley Scott-directed film and have carefully considered the concept, spending hours musing over script ideas that will allegedly see Hemsworth playing the late Maximus's now grown-up son. Okay, gotcha. The magazine source says, quote, Russell thinks he could be the only man to credibly play his son in a Gladiator sequel. The original film was a critical and box office sensation, earning more than $400 million worldwide and securing 11 Oscar nominations. I think it – didn't it win – it won Picture of the Year. I think so. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty damn sure it won Picture of the Year in 2000. Uh, was it 99? Yeah, I think it was 99 and 2000. The new Thor has been, I think it was 2000. Uh, the new Thor has been filming in Sydney since late January and Hemsworth is likely to stay there for a while as he's producing with his wife Elsa Pataki's new film Interceptor, which begins production there this month. The report suggests Pataki is one that got the Gladiator 2 talk rolling between the two men. So yeah, we had heard news about this months ago possible gladiator sequel we were like what the fuck this makes no sense what could it mean and now we're hearing that uh his didn't his fucking son die (laughs) i don't remember it's been 21 years at the end of the fucking movie at the end of the movie we see him in that field with his son and his wife reunited with them it's supposed to be like like he's in the afterlife so are, are they saying that? Uh, yes, yes, no, he did because hold on, I'll, let, let me just double check this right because I'm pretty sure that when Maximus says his speech, he says father, he says uh, husband to a murdered wife, father to a murdered son. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. So yeah, and he talks about how his son screamed like a little bitch or something. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Well, okay, so. Are they doing a thing where he fucked around on his wife with another woman and had another son by someone else when he was off fucking warring and being, you know? Sure. Or he, or the son didn't die. Uh, I mean, the fuck that. Either way, it ruins the legacy of this character. 
<clears throat> yeah, definitely. It's it's a cash grab, is what it is. It's like let's bring back one of the most popular films from the year two thousand and Chris Hemsworth, who is a big time movie star now, and you know fellow Australian and everything. Let's get him involved. So, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife. I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. So he is dead. Yeah, but he, sense. we got we got we got him, you know, fighting all these different wars for Rome. And maybe when he was out there, he was unfaithful. Yeah. Which yeah. makes him a shit husband. Exactly. And a shit dad. Yeah. So, and it yeah, ruins it the legacy of the character. character. It ruins the yeah. legacy of the character if they do it that way. 100%. That's a bad, bad idea. But there you go. <laughs> I'm sure it'll make loads of money, so they don't really care. Yeah, I, I hate it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> sucks. Oh, man. Because I, I love Gladiator. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, it's amazing. It's... Yeah, it's a, it's, Oliver Reed's last performance as well, which, you know, it has yeah. a place in cinema history. It is, uh, I don't know, have you ever seen the original Ben-Hur with Charlton Heston? Yeah. It's a complete rip-off, but man, it's still good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then, but, you know, but then you've got, you know, you've got films like Spartacus as well, another, yeah. you know, like, sort of that kind of period piece but yeah you know there's there's a lot of stuff going on there i wouldn't say there's anything quite as visceral as uh as gladiator it's pretty fucking brutal and you know with all the technological um advances and stuff in up to 2000 it, it was an interesting piece that clearly not needed to be done but it really showed how fucking far we've come since the days of ben-hur Mm-hmm. But, um, well, yeah, well no, okay, you can <laughs> say that. You can say that. But man, that that fucking chariot race in Ben Hur, I'll put yeah. that up against the fucking Tom Hiddleston fucking Ben Hur movie any day. It that movie I've never even seen that. <laughs> it's trash. I I think I got to the chariot race and I was like, "You know what? I'm out." Because yeah. I I love the original. I I think Charlton Heston was just a phenomenal actor. I love anything he's in. Yeah, um, have, you, have you seen I Am Spartacus? Have you seen Spartacus? Or yes. Not? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a bit in that that I show. If anyone ever likes films, or I'm talking to them, or whatever, in a pub or something, you know, when we used to go to a pub, um, I always talk to them about the scene of the troops in Spartacus, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" And I will bring up a clip, and it's like it's something insane, like five thousand extras, and they all. They're all in <clears throat> Roman armor, and they're all on this hill. And the shot is so wide that you can see all of these extras. And they basically form into the particular ranks of the the battalions that they're supposed to be in. And they do it all in real time with real people. And it's like one of the most fucking amazing things I've ever seen in film. They do that with and, special effects now. Yeah, exactly. And they did it for real in that film. Yeah. It's fucking insane and also terrifying because you think that people used to have to face up against that <laughs> yeah you yeah. suddenly realize how awe-inspiring and mental it is but uh, again just another great moment in cinema history fucking great but yeah we didn't have much of that in gladiator not on that scale but it was a great film well that's what i loved about the lord of the rings movies is like they'd cast all the extras in new zealand to ride horses like you know what i mean like th- those yeah. scenes 
where you'd see, you know, uh, those big battles in Lord of the Rings, like they're, they're essentially doing what they did and back in, back in old Hollywood where they'd fucking, you know, where they'd make these massive, you know, uh, uh, scenes that we see back in the day that they just, that they just kind of do away with now and they just add special effects. So. Yeah. I was in, uh, I was in, uh, the wetter studios in New Zealand when I went and visited there and they were filming the Hobbit at the time. And I was there for a month and I said to the lady at the desk, I was like, are you guys hiring for extras for the fucking Hobbit movie? And they, no bullshit. She said, have you got a CV and headshots? And I was like, no, I'm traveling around the world at the moment. And she said, well, if you get some, you could drop them off at the desk and we'll put them into the studio for you. I was like, oh my fucking god. Dude, when they were, uh, when I, uh, when they were filming The Informant here where I live, it's a Steven Soderbergh movie with Matt Damon. They, yeah, they asked for extras and you could either go downtown and sign up to possibly be in the movie or you could, uh, just, they had, they put out an ad in Craigslist. Really? And so I didn't oh. go downtown. I just put the the ad in Craigslist. I just responded to that and I sent a couple pictures. And I got a phone call and uh they told me that I was going to be a, 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 in a scene that they were going to shoot at the mall and they made the mall look like a mall from like the I think like the late 80s early 90s and they put like a radio shack in there and all this stuff. But I and they actually cut all that shit out of the movie. But they called. They I didn't get that scene. They called me back later, and I was playing. I played a prisoner at, which is the women's, um, the women's prison here in my town. And um, that scene is in the movie. But I am so small in it, you cannot see me. It is so. You can see me, you can see me, but I am so small. I actually took a picture of it um when it when they aired it on Netflix and I circled myself and I threw up threw it up on Facebook. But I <laughs> That's so cool. I yeah, I was on set That's with Matt, awesome. I was on set with Matt Damon. I actually saw Matt Damon twice when he was in town. Um when he did film at the mall, I I I drove by the mall I, I cuz I worked at the mall. So I parked uh, I parked my car and I waited outside of a trailer. There were like three or four trailers and I just waited outside of a trailer and, um, I picked the right one because when he walked out of the trailer, I was looking right at Matt Damon. Like he, we made eye contact. <laughs> I made wow. eye contact with Jason Bourne and he walked out. He, nobody was like running up to him or bothering him. Everybody was cool about it. And I just, I made eye contact with him. He came out of the trailer and he waved to everybody. And then he got in, uh, it was like a big black Tahoe. They, when they drove around town, it was these big black Tahoes that they would drive around in these Chevy Tahoes. And so every once in a while, when I'm driving around, I'd see like a line of like four or five Chevy black Tahoes. And, uh, I knew that that was production. My buddy Chase was one of the drivers for, he was actually Steven Soderbergh's driver and, uh, would drive Steven Soderbergh around. But, um, and I saw him on the set that day when I filmed at the women's prison. And, um, it was, it was, it was exciting, man. Just being in, uh, a movie, 
um, like a big production like that for just like, I think it was like three hours of shooting and it was a scene where he gets out of prison and his wife, uh, played by Melanie Linsky is there and Matt Damon, they had him in so much makeup that day because like his character is getting out of jail and it's years later. Um, they had him in so much makeup and made him look older, gave him a bald spot and had like a prosthetic on his nose. I walked, all of us walked right by him and didn't realize it was him. That's how good the makeup was that they put on him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing, man. That's an amazing movie as well. Such a such an amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah, they, um, you know, uh, it was Scott Bakula played uh, FBI uh, agent Brian Shepard in that movie, and the gym that I went to back then, I used to work out. I didn't work out with him, but he was there. I've met the real Brian Shepard quite a few times. And, um, he was, he talked about how Scott Bakula spent like a day with him, just getting to know him, getting ready for the role. And, uh, it was pretty cool, man. It was pretty cool. Like it, there was a buzz around town when everybody was here and they were filming that movie. And when I watch that movie, I can see parts of the town that I live in, in that movie. There's like, there was an old comfort in that he was parked in and he's making a phone call from the car and, um, I'm like, oh my God, that's just down the street from me, you know? And, uh, I remember hearing stories of, uh, Joel McHale at this restaurant called the Bizou, um, here in, uh, my town and just sitting there eating by himself, you know, like Joel McHale was here in town filming for that movie. And there's a lot of stories, wow. a lot of stories like, uh, Matt Damon eating at Olive Garden and just talking to people while he's at Olive Garden. And he would always, you know, he would say that, you know, he'd have to wrap, produ- they'd have to wrap production early because he always wanted to go home and, uh, kiss his, uh, he had a, he had a newborn baby that he always wanted to put to bed with his wife at the end of the night. So they always tried to wrap a little early so he could put his baby to bed. And he was just, I, from every account I heard that he was just a super nice guy, very, uh, very down to earth. So, yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, wow, that's so much fun, man. It was cool. I got to play a prisoner. They put me in like that prison jumpsuit and everything. And I, I, we weren't supposed to take any pictures, but I had a guy take a picture of me real quick. I still have it on one of my, <laughs> I still have it on my, one of my old phones somewhere. So, and then, um, well, while, whilst you were telling that amazing story, I just put you down on IMDb as, uh, Brian uncredited inmate 69 for the informant. <laughs> just so you know. So they're just, they're calculating that at the moment. So hopefully in, a, in an hour or two, then you'll be an official cast member. Yeah, yeah that'd be, that'd be insane. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You can tell me off air if you want to take it off, but oh, I, don't, I, don't, I thought it was funny. I don't give a shit. That's funny. Uh, yeah, you're inmate sixty nine. Inmate sixty nine. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> More details have emerged from that uh, Knives Out sequel story that we got last week, and this comes from Dark Horizons. Further details about the recent Netflix deal for Knives Out sequel have come to light over at THR with writer director Ryan Johnson, producer Ram Bergman. And star Daniel Craig reportedly all potentially walking away with the up, of upwards of a hundred million each from the deal. 
Netflix closed the 400, <laughs> Netflix closed the $469 million deal with Johnson and his producing partner, a pack that reportedly gives Johnson immense creative control and he doesn't have to take any notes from the streamer. In fact, the only contingencies were that Craig must star in the sequels and that each must have at least the $40 million budget of the 2019 film. So, yeah. Um, one source tells the trade, yes, it's overpaying, but Netflix is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. It takes a proven theatrical commodity off the board and puts it in their pocket. And it's another way they re-educate audiences to think of streaming and their company above a studio. Filming on okay. the... Oh, go so ahead. that was a hundred million for Ryan Johnson and a hundred million for Daniel Craig. Was that right? Uh, it's it looks like Johnson and his producing partner. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Ram Bergman, all of them walking oh away. <laughs> That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. See, here's the thing: Ryan Johnson did a deal after the first movie. He said basically, like the big deal that he did was, you know. I'll do this movie. I think it was for Lionsgate. I'll do this movie, but you know, I have, I have control over the sequels. Yeah. And smart it, move, man. it's smart paid move. off. Yeah. Big time. Big that was a great time. flick. That was a good film. Dude. It was so good. I fucking loved it. I watched it in the theater. Yeah, I think three great. times. The first time I saw it, you know, I saw it the early November showing, that they had. And then the second time I went back and watched it, I watched it when Ryan Johnson released the director's commentary on his website. Oh yeah. I remember you saying. Yeah. And then after I watched it with the director's commentary, I was like, holy fuck, this just makes me want to watch it again. And so I went back and watched it a third time in the theater. I love knives out. So good. Yeah. Man, really great. Did you, either of you guys ever watch, Brick, which was one of his first movies. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, it's a fantastic yeah. movie. That film, uh, I remember just renting it from like the video store, and I just didn't know what the hell I was watching. It was so good, and I remember watching like some DVD extras on it, and they said that the script was written in hyper English, which and that's what they called it, and it was just this incredibly like verbose and like uh, language like full of vocabulary and incredibly quickly spoken, and in that in that strange noir detective style they did throughout the film, I was like, what the fuck is this? It's awesome, <laughs> and and it, yeah, it, I just it, and that was that was what turned me on to Ryan Johnson for the first the first time, and then I mean I loved Looper. As well, but oh, lots yeah. of people don't like that. But I, I love Looper. I like Looper and, as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has cameos in all of his movies. Yeah, that's right. Because he's even a, an alien in um, uh, Last Jedi, isn't he? Uh huh. And then in uh, Knives Out, when it's what's her name, Arma Diarmas? I can't remember what's her name. Anna Diarmas. Yeah, yeah, you got it. yeah. yeah you got it. when she's at her family's house and I think it's like either her or one of her siblings is on the computer and listening to a news story, the voice of the newscaster is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like it when, you know, wow. directors and actors kind of buddy up and like, it's like, you know, you've been me with me since the beginning. So Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. 
Yes. James exactly. Gunn and Michael Rooker. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I I'm do always too. waiting for them to show up as well, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Shy. Great. Shy. Yeah, you... I can't wait for more Knives Out. Like, Knives Out was fucking great. Really great murder mystery. <laughs> It was so good. Dude. So fucking great. Are we, guys, like, are we hoping that it also gets a dual theatrical release? What, so like in cinemas and like home releases? Yeah, I mean, uh, what was it? It was, um, Roma was also released in the theaters. I know Hillbilly Elegy also made it to theaters. Idris Elba did a movie as well that went to theaters and they, these are all Netflix films. Um, I wonder if Knives Out is going to be 100% Netflix or if they're also going to, you know, give theaters the option of playing this as well. Yeah, it'll be honestly, it'll be stupid not to. I mean, even, you know, with the closures that are happening at the moment, um, you know, you guys have a lot of theaters, theaters that are still open. We don't when we haven't got any open at the moment. We're yeah. not allowed. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, if, you know, further on down the line, I would, I would like to see it if they did a sequel in the theatre for definite. But I'd also like the option to watch it at home just in case. Yeah, I don't know. I, I had such a great time with my theatrical experience. It'd be hard to just kind of like watch it at home and get the same feel. Dude, going to the – listen to this. When I went and saw Voyagers on Friday at a 3.30 um, – I was by myself. There was literally no, it was just me in the theater. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Same, Living it, the dream. It was fucking yeah, honestly, awesome. Though. Dude, it was awesome. The, the last time that that happened was at the exact same theater. It was a AMC theater in Bloomington. And it was when I went and saw the, um, Fathom event for, uh, Flash Gordon when they played that at the theater and it, I saw it. I saw it completely by myself. It didn't start playing automatically, so they sent me to a. They sent me you to, to call the usher. I had to talk to the usher, and then they sent me into it. They started playing it in another theater for me, and then they gave me free nachos and a drink, dude. It was awesome. Best oh, thing ever. So you watched Flash Gordon alone. Yes, with free nachos and a drink. Yes. You oh, lucky wow. bastard. Oh, <laughs> dude, dude. <laughs> dude, it was Sitting so there, awesome. Like, sprawl out like a starfish, just like legs and limbs all over the place, like just taking over the whole cinema. Yeah, dude, I had my, I was teabagging the seat in front of me. <laughs> wow. That's the dream, man. Living the dream. Uh, yeah, man. I could do whatever I wanted. Seat. The only movie that I've ever seen, it was me and a group of friends, but there was, there was literally nobody else there. It was, was it Angels and Demons, the sequel to the Da Vinci Code? There was no fucker there. And I, in, in some of the cinemas here, there's like a kind of raised stage and then there's the screen and it kind of, the stage kind of pops out a bit. So there was no one there and no one watching. So I got up on the stage and I started doing cartwheels in front of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Because no one was there to stop me, and it wouldn't bother anybody. That's and so awesome. I wish that was on video. video. I, I want to see Dan West doing cartwheels. That's awesome. Oh, dear Doc, I remember when the hell that film came out. God. Oh, my. Uh, that was a long time. I love it when I can see a movie by myself. Me and my buddy Donnie back in 95. Do you remember the movie Relic? 
No. The horror movie Relic. Dude, that's a good movie. <laughs> Look it up. Relic is really good. I think it came out in 95, man. We saw Relic by ourselves in the theater. Like, nobody else showed up to see Relic. And it was a fucking blast, man. <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I haven't seen it in fucking, you know, 25 years or whatever, but yeah, I enjoyed it at the well, time. What I think's interesting is when I, when I've been to see like old films in the cinema, uh, because we only have one cinema near us, so the rest are like hours and hours drives away. There's, there's one which is half an hour drive away, and that's the one everybody goes to. So when like Back to the Future did the re release for the anniversary, and when Terminator 2 did a, a re release as well. Mm-hmm. I've never seen so many people in the cinema, which is brilliant that, you know, you have all these film fans that want to see these classics played out in the cinema for the first time because they were either too young or they didn't get a chance to watch it. So it's been really nice having those reruns go in there. But, yeah, they're always absolutely rammed. And it's great, especially Back to the Future, because everyone was such a huge fan. People were... And I wouldn't, get, I would normally hate this, but because we'd all seen it a million times, everyone was like yelling lines at the screen that were coming up and, and saying it along with like Doc Brown and Marty and things like that. It was, it was fucking awesome. It was like watching a movie in America because normally in the UK, everyone's very quiet. You got a lot of cunts that are on their phones, but no one really says anything and it always and watching back to the future over here was like when i saw star wars with you guys in in your theater because that was a fucking laugh right yeah everyone just went crazy yeah <laughs> and yeah that's what it was like here so it, it was it was really nice to have that experience in the uk because it never happens dude my, one of one of the best uh theatrical experience i've had was um back to the future day October 21st, 2015, which is the day that Marty McFly travels to the future and back to the future Two, they were playing back to the future and back to the future Two back to back in the theater that night. And I had bought tickets, uh-huh. but listen to this while I was out working that day and I would go and, you know, I'm in different neighborhoods working a guy, me and a guy were working together, partnered up. And I, uh, there was a guy outside washing his car and I kid you not, and I've got pictures and I can post them and I, I have posted them before. A guy was, po- was washing his DeLorean that day. <laughs> Amazing. And I, I, I went up to him and I go, dude, is this your DeLorean? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, you do know what today is. And he's like, yeah, it's back to the future day. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> and I said, would it be cool if I got a picture taken with the, car and he's like yeah dude i took like three or four pictures of like me in the car with the fucking seagull with uh, seagull doors going up and shit yeah i got in it dude on back awesome on back to the future day it was so awesome man it was the best day and then that night i went and saw back to the future and back to the future 2 in the theater it was so dope that's like, I bet you were showing fucking everyone in the line all your pictures. <laughs> a lot of people showed up. I couldn't believe it. I think that, I think it was almost a sold out crowd for Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah it was incredible. Yeah, much loved movies. Like, like I said, like Back to the, it was only the first one we had over here. So it's Back to the Future one and then uh, Terminator 2 I went to and both just fucking sold out. Like, dude, 
probably a couple of people maybe couldn't make it, but as far as I know, like every single seat in the, the house sold. I went to Terminator 2 when they re-released it in 3D. Oh my god. <laughs> that was a blast, man. It's my favorite movie of all time. And to see it in 3D and in the theater was just incredible. Yeah, because I, I was young when it came out. I remember watching on the farm with my uncle and my cousin. I saw it, I saw it in the theater with Leftover Jay. Oh, that's awesome. Me and him were both 13 and we're around the same age as the character in the movie. And so How that, the fuck did you get in? I thought it was an 18. My dad sat right behind us, like I'd say about five or six <laughs> rows behind us. So me, that's how we'd see. My dad was all about these movies too. That's how we got to see Demolition Man. My dad would take us to the movies. He would sit way in the back and me and Jay would sit in the front. So That's so cool. Yeah. yeah I just remember I was watching it on this tiny screen at my cousin's house and like – at people, my uncle having to point out that when they shot at the Liquid Metal Man, uh, the, the bullets left these kind of craters, and I was like, I thought that was just a badge. <laughs> it wasn't until I was, you know, like in my in my 30s that I actually got to see it properly, and just I was just blown away at how amazing it was. Oh like, God! In, in the cinema, it's so good. I God, I that that movie to me is. It was, it was a game changer, like before the Matrix. You know what I mean? Like, oh, with yeah. special effects and practical effects and, and pyrotechnics and everything, dude. I remember, it was, it was actually Jay that fucking pointed this out to me when the T-1000 is in the helicopter and he's, he's shooting a gun, he's flying the helicopter. In that scene, the T-1000's got three fucking arms. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's such a quick, it's such a quick scene. That's it. They're quick shot, but yeah, that attention to detail, he's suddenly got like a fucking third arm that comes out of like his stomach or something yeah. like that from around the side. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, oh, dude. And, and when they re-released it in 3D, they ch- like, you can totally see on the big screen, like when they use the stuntman on the motorcycle. Yes. And they fixed it with Schwarzenegger's face in the 3D yeah. one. And it was so much better. Like, you know, these are the little things that you notice when you're a fan and you've seen the movie so many times that like, okay, this face does not match up with Arnold. Like, and you see it a lot with Arnold's movies. Uh, you know, Total Recall is another one where you see a lot of the stunt man in that one. You see his face a lot. And, uh, they fixed it in the Terminator 2 3D re-release. And they basically took, they took his face and, and they superimposed it over all those action scenes and man it 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 makes a huge difference it's it but it just makes you happy as a fan that they fix that you know it really does like these are things that needed to be fixed it's not like fucking like oh ewoks blinking you know like that's fuck off (laughs) fuck off with that shit did you guys see the video this week of the ewok of the uh monkey that looks like an ewok and it went viral I posted this. There's a fucking monkey. It's like it's like an orangutan or something, and it looks like an Ewok. Oh my god! And this fucking thing went viral this week. I posted it on Twitter, man. You should check this thing out. Go to go to go to PC Leftovers Twitter and look at this thing, Dan. It's fucking unreal. All right, all right. Oh god! You guys talk. You guys talk. (laughs) Shy. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uncanny. Just ginger. Ewok. 
Wow, that's crazy. Isn't that wild? It acts very human, though. Yeah. Like, all standing on. Yeah, it's very human-like. The way it's, it's like walking around on two legs, you know, and just, like, looking like an Ewok. Walking around, snacking on nuts or whatever, and yeah. he's, like, doing this gangster sign, like, yo, come at me, bro. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, hey, look at him. He's like, yo, what you got on me? Yeah, give me them nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll take the nice. Yeah, yeah. Look at him. He's so fucking G about all this. <laughs> yeah, just I honestly, I bet you if you go to fucking Google, I'm gonna go to Google right now and type in viral Ewok monkey. You know what I wrote? I didn't even go to Monkey that looks like Ewok goes viral. Boom. Yeah, exactly. That's the link I went to. I wrote Monkey Ewok, and the first link was that one. (laughs) Ewok goes viral. I'm literally looking at a picture of Wicket and this monkey next to each other side by side. So hilarious. It's so funny. Wow. Uh, Next story. Let's go into the next. I. Oh, bless him. <laughs> Don't you just want to take him home, Dan? Yeah. Don't you just want to fucking, like, hand him a wooden spear? <laughs> yeah. He looks like, he looks like an Ewok in Skeletor cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Fucking adorable. Oh, my God. Uh <laughs> Screen Rant, I thought that this was an interesting story. Screen Rant recently released an article titled Mortal Kombat Arcade Cabinets Secretly Tracked Fighter Choices. I thought I'd heard everything about, you know, I watched Insert Coin, which, uh, that documentary that talked about Midway and, uh, you know, the, the Mortal Kombat games and NARC and Smash TV. It talked about all these Midway games. I thought I learned everything about Mortal Kombat. Apparently we, <laughs> apparently not. One of the creators of Mortal Kombat has revealed that the original Mortal Kombat arcade machines included code, which tracked the numbers of times a fighter was picked by players. This data was then used to determine which Mortal Kombat characters should be cut from the roster in future entries to make way for new characters. The original Mortal Kombat managed to include seven playable characters and two unplayable bosses. The sequel, Mortal Kombat 2, featured 12 playable characters, but a few familiar faces were missing from the roster. This was due to a hidden feature in the arcade cabinets of the original Mortal Kombat, which allowed developers to know which Mortal Kombat fighters were being used. Mortal Kombat co-creator John Tobias has explained the secret data collection method on Twitter. According to Tobias, fellow co-creator Ed Boon had created a secret code that could be used during the attract mode to access a hidden menu. This menu included character select audits, which tracked how many times a character was chosen by players on that machine. The developers kept track of the numbers whenever they were out in Chicago, as the Internet was still in its infancy at this point, and they collected the data. This led to Kano and Sonya Blade being cut from the sequel as they were the least chosen Mortal Kombat fighters. And it goes on to say it's surprising that Sonya was so unpopular in the original Mortal Kombat, considering that the popularity of the female fighters and Virtua Fighter led to the creation of Laura Croft. 
the fans of these Mortal Kombat characters made their voices heard, however, and they returned to the series in future games. The same character auditing led to Johnny Cage, Raiden, and Baraka being removed in Mortal Kombat 3. The lore of the Mortal Kombat franchise was built around these changes in order to explain why certain characters were present in one game, but not in another. Over time, the memory limitations van- vanished, and the developers were free to include as many fighters as they liked. That I I had never heard this before. This is wild this is, to me. This is crazy. This is crazy. Like, especially this would never fly nowadays. This would be so unethical. Um, like with anti uh, uh, behavioral tracking laws that we have in place, um, like this is insane that they had kind of this access and they were recording this kind of data on people and then like uh, playing out the future roles based on that data. That's mental. Yeah, it's wild. Damn, what are your thoughts on this, dude? I've got to ask you a question, actually, Brian. Were you playing Mortal Kombat in the arcades in Chicago at this time, the first game? <laughs> uh, I was playing Mortal Kombat, not in Chicago, but I was playing it in uh, around the Peoria area, which is two hours south of Chicago. So oh, that's I was a shame. I was going to um, Aladdin's Castle, and honestly, I remember Mortal Kombat machines being placed out in front of grocery, like. When you walk into grocery stores, like that first area that you would walk into where you'd grab your cart, they'd sometimes have Mortal Kombat games in there, like, or video games. And I remember playing Mortal Kombat games at, uh, video, uh, at, uh, at grocery stores or at Aladdin's Castle. That's where I was playing, but not, I don't think that I was, I, I don't think I ever played Mortal Kombat in Chicago at the time of release. That's a shame because if you had, then you would have been one of the people responsible for Sonya and Kano not being in the two. Dude, because you know I was playing, I was fucking playing Liu Kang and I was playing Raiden. That those are my guys. Yeah, Raiden for me all day. Yep, Scorpion <laughs> and Reptile. Oh, Reptile, Reptile number yeah, two. Reptile's great. Reptile number two. Reptile, well, reptile, reptile, reptile was a secret character in in one, as well as uh, Ermac was a secret really? character in one. Yeah, Ermac stands for Ooh. Error Machine. Oh, he was the old uh, the, the, the he character. Was, he was yeah, he Error Machine, Ermac, Mortal Kombat. He's the red one. Yeah, yeah, I loved Ermac in MK3. Remember, like that's when they introduced the brutalities, where you had to like remember a sequence. Of uh, buttons. Were there not fatalities in the first two? There were fatalities yeah, fatal- in the first no, two. No, fatalities, yeah. and then that's when they introduced brutalities. Oh, brutalities, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just fucking Sorry. go to town on people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the guy's name was. To, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Uh, Kung Lao. He was my, he's my number one. Kung Lao is my boy. He's uh, the guy with the the, the oh the, the hat, hat the fucking hat. hat, yeah, dude. Yeah. Have you yeah. seen the trailers? Kung Lao and uh, Liu Kang are hanging out together in the fucking trailers. Uh, I'm, I can't wait for this film, dude. Dude, I bought my IMAX ticket. You got watch an IMAX. I bought my IMAX ticket opening night. Wow. Yeah, I'm watching it in IMAX. Is that going to get Joe released or not? It's yeah, it's getting released on HBO Max and in the theater. Okay, cool. So I'll be able to pick it up somewheres. But yeah, no. Yeah, yeah right. Was my guy. Oh dear, I love those games. 
Absolutely love those yeah, games. Yeah, Mortal Kombat, fucking great. The new movie, I can't wait. I cannot wait for the new fucking movie, yeah. man. It looks oh fucking God. amazing. Yeah, it looks incredible. Yeah, man, they were tracking our fucking uh, players, like who we're picking, man. That's why. That's crazy. I never knew that. That's insane. This is so crazy. It's so like, it's so violating. No, do you not feel like it's a violation? I feel like it's so like breaching of privacy. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I work in ad tech, so like. For me, like, all this, like, behavioral tracking stuff, like, understanding user behavior and then modeling it after that, I don't know. I feel like it's unethical. Yeah, it's Well, wild. different different laws in Europe and uh, the U.S., dude. <laughs> well, now, well, now also it's, it's spreading through the U.S. Like, here we have GDPR, and in California we have the, the, the COPA, and now with iOS 14.5, there's going to be, like, more rules around how, how, how you're able to track iOS users. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to get too nerdy on this, but with the <laughs> I, I, with the iOS, isn't there going to be a thing where you can opt out of basically having any of your data like yeah, transferred? Great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Did you hear about that, Brian? What's that? Um, with the new iOS, you can um, you can basically opt out of sharing any of your data with any of the websites or any of the social media that you use. Thank God. I know, right? Yeah. So then you can't, like, cross-advertise products. Like, you won't go on Amazon, search for a product, and then get the advertisement while you're browsing, like, Instagram That's or crazy, man. It's fucking, um, what was it? Last week, we recorded, me and Jake, and we were talking about fucking Cascatelli pasta. And I fucking, <laughs> dude, I fucking kid you not, Jake sends me, like, a fucking Facebook message a few days later that Facebook is, like, trying to sell him pasta. I think it was Casca... <laughs> I do. I kid you, fucking not, dude. No, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, I believe, I believe it. it too. I believe it. Have you seen the video of the guy and his wife who are trying to figure out yeah. if they're listening? Baby and litter. yeah, it, yeah, they don't even own a fucking cat. They don't even own a fucking cat, and so they started. And they just keep like repeating kitty litter like randomly. Yes. Near their phone, both of them near their phones. Yeah. Just like it's like dropping it into conversation like repeatedly, like even like randomly, not even like in context, like completely out of context. And then like a week later, they started getting advertisements for kitty litter. I keep getting these fucking phone calls where they're trying to scam me. Where they're saying like the IRS is after you and you need to do this, blah, blah, blah. And so there's this, I almost fucking purchased it. Um, it's uh, an app called Robot Killer and Mm. it's about these robo calls that you got, you get from these fucking people and these calls, they'll look like they're local calls. So you pick them up. And, uh, when I pick them up, it's somebody, you know, trying to say, you know, like blah, 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 you know, uh, press one and you'll be directed to an operator. And they, they basically are trying to get steal your information. But this robot killer app, you never get the phone call. But on the flip side, it picks up and they get to talk to a robot that is saying shit like, hello, hello, <laughs> hold on. I, I can't hear you. Hold on. Hold on. I Hold on. Just be one moment. And so they're, they're talking back. And so it it fucks with them. It fucks with the people that are trying to scam you. That's really cool. And I, I would totally get it. I would totally get it if I knew that I would be able to listen to, like, the recordings mm-hmm. of these mm-hmm. people getting fucked over. 
Yeah, yes, that's definitely. I was actually going to ask if that was a thing that they did. Well, they were playing the recordings back of these people getting fucked over, and it's it's fucking hilarious. But man, if I get to listen to that shit, I'll gladly pay. It's like twenty bucks on a for the first year at, at a discount price, and after that, it's like forty bucks a year. Forty bucks a year, and you don't get hassled by these fucking bullshit calls anymore, which I think is totally worth it. So. Yeah, especially if you get to listen back to. Them. Oh, I know, man. I would play that. I would play that shit on the podcast, man. That shit would be funny. <laughs> yeah, listen to this asshole the fucking Remy this week. Yeah. And just play it. Yeah, <laughs> be a whole new segment. Oh man, uh, news from Dark Horizons. What do I got here? What's this news from Dark Horizons? It's so important that you wrote down here, Brian. God damn it! <laughs> I'm having problem with with my news stories here. Uh, yeah. Oh, Emmy winning, Emmy winning Fleabag creator Phoebe Waller-Bridge has been cast as the female lead opposite Harrison Ford in the long-awaited fifth Indiana, fifth Indiana Jones film at Paramount Pictures. Uh, the seven, 78-year-old Ford reprises his role as the globe-trotting archaeologist in the James Mangold-directed feature, which also has legendary Oscar-winning composer John Williams signing on to uh, onto the score. Mangold said in a statement, I'm th- thrilled to be starting a new adventure, collaborating with a dream team of all-time great filmmakers. Stephen, Harrison, Kathy, Frank, and John are all artistic heroes of mine. When you add Phoebe, a dazzling actor, brilliant creative voice, and the chemistry she will undoubtedly bring to our set, I can't help but feel as lucky as Indiana Jones himself. Waller Bridge, uh, who also created Killing Eve and did a script polish on the upcoming No Time to Die, previously worked with Lucasfilm as the droid L337 in 2018's Solo, A Star Wars Story. I think that, that's wild to me. She did a script polish on the upcoming No Time to Die. I keep comparing her to Carrie Fisher. Like, she's like, you know what I mean? She, you know, Carrie Fisher, very famous, kind of like, uh, you know, she kind of, Retinkered a bunch of scripts, kind of like, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and same thing that Waller Bridge is doing here. And Waller Bridge worked on Star Wars recently. And, and, um, I, what are you guys thinking about this? I, I, I'm a big Phoebe Waller Bridge fan. I loved Fleabag. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Fleabag, but I, I think she's super fucking talented. Uh, do we need a fifth Indiana Jones film? If it's good, yes. If it's terrible, no. I don't know what else to say, guys. I'll let Jai go. I'm not Jai. I hang out with fucking Jai Rivero too much. I'll let Shai talk first on this one. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I think if she's involved, I think it'll be good. Like, she was, like, also a writer on Fleabag, and that was obviously great. And um, she's done writing on uh, No Time to Die. So I feel like if she's being involved in the new Indiana Jones project, then she obviously believes in it. Like, God knows the last Indiana Jones was pretty awful and... So <laughs> I really hope that this is going to be better. And I hope she's like, if she's working on it, she trusts it and she believes in it. And that's going to be great, I think. Right. Yeah. I, well, I'm hoping so. And also we've got a new director in here, James Mangold. Let me throw this out there real quick. You know, we had a bunch of, uh, you know, I love Hugh Jackman. I think Hugh Jackman's fucking phenomenal. I loved him as Wolverine. But here's the thing. Those Wolverine solo movies, not so great in my opinion. And then we finally get James Mangold 
taken over a character now. Like this is his final movie as Wolverine. We get Logan, so we get an aged Wolverine. We get a, 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 an older Wolverine who's like, you know, uh, uh, his healing factor, uh, is, is, is slowing down. And it's his final, this is his, this is the last dance. This is the final film. This is the last time we're going to see, uh, you know, you know, Hugh Jackman on screen as Wolverine. We're getting an aged Wolverine here. This is his, the end of his story. And James Mangold, I think, fucking did that brilliantly. Do you think he can, you think lightning can strike twice here? I, I mean, a lot of people at first, but we got this news and it's like, you know, Spielberg's not involved. And then I tried to look at it. From a positive, you know, like James Mangold took over the character of Wolverine. We got that R-rated film, and he was able to work with an older Wolverine. I think he did it in such a fucking phenomenal way. Do you think that maybe James Mangold will be able to breathe some new life into the into the uh, character of Indiana Jones, and and maybe kind of like maybe lightning can strike twice here with like an you know a very a much older. Harrison Ford, but with James Mangold, the same guy that made an older Hugh Jackman. And and give us, honestly, in my opinion, the best, I think the best Wolverine performance we've ever gotten. 100%. In Logan. Can can he do it again here, Dan? No. Oh, come on, Dan! <laughs> <laughs> All that buildup and I get a No. <laughs> That's why it was so funny. <laughs> I mean, anything's possible, dude. Anything's possible. It's um, but I I, I go back to. Uh, it's so sad. I want to be positive. I do. Um, anything can happen. We could have an amazing Indiana Jones film, but I'm going to go back to what you said about the Willow sequel, which is what I think will probably happen. Is Indy will be old, he'll be retiring from, you know, the museum and teaching and things like that, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge will be his replacement, and... I don't think he wants that! I don't think he wants... Dan, I hate to cut you off, but man, it sounds like... No, it sounds like to me, from everything I've ever read, that, that fucking Harrison Ford wants to take this character to the goddamn grave. And I know that maybe... I think, I don't know. Maybe while he's alive, that's the truth. Because man, we've heard rumors of Chris Pratt taking over the character and all this other stuff. But it sounds like to me that fucking Harrison Ford wants to take this character to the grave. Like this is Robert Zemeckis saying, no, nobody's going to touch Back to the Future. I don't care how many people want to see fucking, uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Doc Brown and Tom Holland as fucking Marty McFly. It's not going to happen. Not while I'm alive, goddammit. And I feel like that's where fucking I think that's where uh, Harrison Ford is with the character of um, Indiana Jones. And, I, I, you know, I could be wrong, but, man, I, I, you know, as much as I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge, nobody can fucking – Shia LaBeouf, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I don't care who the fuck it is, Chris Pratt, nobody can fill the shoes of Harrison Ford in that character. No, they can't. Then that's the point is, like, even though you say he wants to take the character to the grave, that last film – was fucking terrible in every single way. It was dog shit. And he was an old, doddering man throughout the whole damn thing. It was awful. They must stop making Indiana Jones films. It's it's just just no more. But it's James James Mangold here. I'm I'm just playing playing devil's advocate. I'm playing devil's advocate. 
I have yeah. this. I have the same fears that you guys have. Trust me. Well, Mangold isn't my problem. My problem is Harrison Ford. He is very, very old, especially for an action role. And it was bad enough in the last one, and it was bad enough in The Force Awakens. He was. I know he hurt his foot, but why the fuck did he hurt his foot? Because he's old. So I don't want to see old Indiana Jones hobbling around being led around by Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character only to die at the end to save her and then she takes over the whole damn franchise because that's pretty much what happens now. It's so we just get rid of the old characters and then we normally bring in a strong female character to replace them and that's what I think is going to happen because it's just been happening all over the fucking You act job. like he's going to be in a retirement village and she's going to be changing his depends. No, he'll be she, fucking dead. <laughs> She'll uh, have his job. Yeah, I, I'm not a. I'm not no, a big. He made. He made. He, he made Hugh Jackman look amazing in Logan. Like he I did. think Angle has got a pretty good track record. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like he could do it, right? Like yeah, Logan. How, how, was, old, re- how old is yeah. Hugh Jackman? Shy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. I get how your point. How old is fucking? <laughs> you know, Hugh Jackman you. is a. He's he, yeah. He's a middle-aged man. He is buff as fuck. He's been in yeah. peak physical condition for years. Harrison Ford. I'm just gonna say, is not. I know, and, dude. We're not getting Harrison Ford well, we hanging off the side of a fucking tank anymore, right? Yeah, we're running away from no, a giant not. boulder. Yeah, we won't have it fucking running anywhere. <laughs> I hope not. Maybe I. Maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe he doesn't run at all, and 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 Phoebe does all the running. It sounds maybe like a great action film. I've got to admit. Maybe she just. Maybe she. Right maybe she throws him over her shoulder as they both. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I'm sure she'll tell him how wrong he is about everything at the same time as well. It's I think honestly, I think it comes down to like if they can nail down a really good script, a really good like kind of like mystery. The last one with aliens it didn't work for for a lot of people so i mean Oof. if they can i mean you know we've god damn it we we could de-age him right come on can we just do that <laughs> are you gonna yeah, christopher you liam <laughs> yeah exactly you're gonna christopher christopher liam from attack of the clones just have this like harrison ford head on a younger man's body so he can actually run yes oh my yes God. The, the answer is yes <laughs> that's what you're gonna have Hang to on. do because every every punch that he threw in the last fucking three or four movies that he's done have been shit he couldn't have punched his way out of a wet paper bag with that crap mm. the guy is too old Ugh. yeah we'll, we'll stick a de-aged harrison ford on a young person's body yeah. So it'll just be like a young Harrison Ford. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Put his face on, but DH his face on a young boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was All odd. Long. When we did watch when we did watch Captain Marvel, you know, the DH Samuel Jackson, yeah, he looked young. But on the flip side, when they did action scenes, it did look weird, right? I mean it didn't look like a we had it looked like it was like old fucking uh, Samuel Jackson just running around, right? Yeah, it's weird, man. I mean, it, it works in certain, you know, in certain shots like, you know, Kurt Russell and Guardians and uh, Robert Downey Jr. and everything. 
it sometimes it works like incredibly well, but it yeah. does seem to get a little bit ropey when you start, you know, when things speed up and the action comes in. Um, I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I'm obviously, it's probably gotten better over the last few years as well, and gets better all the time. But even if that's the case, you know, you're never gonna. Like you said, you're never going to have Harrison Ford being strapped to the side of a tank, being dragged across a fucking rock wall again. That's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And and one of the things that that I miss so much about old cinema and old action movies is is um, and I'm not going to say practical effects. I'm going to say fucking actors and stuntmen like doing what they're doing for real and like like Butch and Sundance getting blown up next to that fucking carriage you know these stunt guys are getting hit in the face with bits of wood and like you said Harrison Ford on the side of the tank that's real shit and it, it when you see it in CG you know we're all trained enough in this art form that we know what is fake and we know what isn't fake almost almost 100% of the time I'm not going to say it's all the time because I have been fooled but when you just do CG humans on CG whatever, and there's there's no peril or anything, and you're not even like respecting the the stunt team or anything for doing anything because they're not fucking there. It's all just done in a computer. So it's just <clears throat> this whole kind of you know swashbuckling action adventure thing. It used to be like, oh my god, look at what the fuck they're doing, and now it's like, oh, it's CGI monkey swinging through a CGI fucking wood with Shia LaBeouf. It's bullshit. I just want, you know, I'd love to see some practical stuff going on with some fucking amazing stunt work. That would be great, but unfortunately, like I was saying. I don't think that they're going to be able to break away from this this current trend that we've been seeing for the last sort of like six years of um, of you know getting rid of the old hero whose name is above the bloody you know title and replacing him with someone else. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that I think that as long as Harrison Ford's alive, the character is going to be him and i i think that i don't think they're going to be, try, be trying to pass down the mantle to uh to phoebe waller bridge yeah. that's just my I, personal I hope, opinion and i hope not as well i think i would love them to re- respect the the character and respect the on <laughs> oh sorry it's a force of habit i always say three previous films because me and my friends literally never count the fourth one <laughs> We we don't say it's the fucking franchise. We say it's a trilogy. We've said it for years since it came out. But yeah, I, I, you know, I'd love them to do that. I really would. Yeah. But I've just I've been fucking shocked so many times when characters that I've grown up with, all that we've all grown up with, and that you know everyone has loved, have just been like shit on, and it's and then then they sort of like try and usher. And I don't care if it's a man or a woman. I don't give a shit. But it's you know I, taking, I, like his legacy characters and then just going like oh these are these new people. Oh, I think it I think it works when you got a movie like Rocky and you can pass the torch to Apollo Creed's son. I mean that worked for me in that first movie. That first Creed movie yeah. was fucking incredible. Yeah, fucking exactly. incredible. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it in in the Rocky film. 
That's what I'm saying. It's like right. if they did it in like in if they did it in the last Rocky film and then they were looking at passing the mantle and stuff, you're like, Well this film should be about Rocky, it shouldn't be about Creed. So the fact that they went off and they did a spin off, yeah, one hundred percent fucking you know, like that's the character we're focusing on now. And and those those two films that it was built on the shoulders of the people that made it. And, you know, the characters and the writing and everything. It, I but, still think that James Mangold can give us something here. I'm hoping that I he can. He too. I'm hoping I think he, he can. Too. In a positive way, I think he could too. I'm just worried. Oh, sure. That's I am all. too. I don't want to see a fucking, I don't want to get a fifth movie and, <laughs> cause it's going to be the last one. <laughs> oh, it's going to be the last. It'll one. be the last one. I'm just looking at that article. It said the 78 year old Ford. I'm like, oh my I God. know, man. He's nearly, wow. 80. He's nearly 80. I know. I know, man. I know. Uh, it's so hard seeing our heroes fucking age too. You know, like, you know, I like as far, but, but it's, you know, just have them doing other things. It's hard to see our heroes age and then them trying to bring them back into these roles where they were like young and youthful and hanging off a fucking tank, you know, and you can't do that anymore. You just can't. You get older and you can't do that anymore. And so it, it is hard. I hope that James Mangold can, can, can deliver something here. Did you see the news? Again, they, they've doubled down on this that fucking Rocky is not going to come back for Creed 3. So I think that we're going to get a scene of, uh, Michael B. Jordan showing up to the grave of of Oof. Rocky. Yeah, man. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, that news just came out this week again. Like they've said this before. He, you know, Stallone said, "I'm not coming back. I'm not playing the character again." And and we know Creed Three's coming out, and they've doubled down on this news again this week. And so I think, like, man, if I see that fucking, you know, Rocky Balboa. Headstone. I'm just gonna be like, oh my god, no. <laughs> yeah, that that's oh. the end of an era right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But isn't he too busy playing King Shark now? Is that right? Is he's, he yeah, Shark? he's fucking King Shark, dude. <laughs> in Suicide Squad. That. That's so good. It's very good. I love that he's got this relationship with James Gunn. Like, you know, he was in. He was one of the. You know, he's like the leader of the Ravagers. In yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, and now he's showing up as King Shark. I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it was him. I've watched the trailer, and I was like, okay, that's fucking hilarious. And then you said it was Stallone. I was like, oh my dude, God. I love it. in that trailer. I love it when like they're all like talking, and he 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 raises his hand and he goes yeah. hand. <laughs> <laughs> King Shark is a shark. <laughs> oh, and then the rumors that, right? about Nathan Fillion's character of uh, DDK, the rumors mm-hmm. of him being the, the name of the character being the detachable kid look correct because his limbs were detached in that second trailer. <laughs> oh my god, this film's going to be so stupid. Oh, it's going to be so good. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Oh, oh yeah, but, I mean, in a I know, way, stupid in a good so, way. Yeah, God yeah. dear. Yeah, we need more of that. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we need more. We need more slacks in the world. <laughs> All I got for Marvel news this week is the Loki trailer, and I just want to say again that this fucking show looks incredible, and I can't wait for June. It looks so good. Yeah, can we take a pause so I can watch it? 
You haven't seen the new Loki trailer? It came out fucking five days ago. <laughs> oh my god, you're not watching Falcon Winter Soldier. You're not watching the new Loki trailer that came out five fucking days ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's been two years since Endgame. Shy, hold on, Shy. Have you seen the new Loki trailer? Uh, yeah, I have, but I would also like a break because I really need to desperately use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, I must have filled up a fucking like gallon tub in the course. Of all right, all right, time. okay, okay, all right. All right, everybody, we're going to be able to release our bodily fluids here because we're going to, we're going to take a break. Oh, we got, we got literally like two things left. So we'll, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. All right, hey, we're back. Dan's had a chance to watch the Loki trailer, but I, you know what I'm excited about? You know what I got in the mail today? What's that? I had it pre-ordered. What? I had it pre-ordered, and I was super excited about it. Old Hanna-Barbera cartoon. I got the complete series, Thundar the Barbarian on Blu-ray. Wow. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody fucking cares. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought you were going to tell us it's the Cascatelli pasta. No, 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 no. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I guess I revved myself up for the wrong thing. No, no. <laughs> Thunder the Barbarian, you can buy the complete series now on Blu-ray. I pre-ordered it. It came in today. I'm super excited to start watching it. Can't wait. Yeah, I've never seen that. You've never seen Thunder the Barbarian? No, I've See, heard of it, but I've never actually watched it. I was a big fan of Thunder the Barbarian and and the Herculoids. <gasps> oh, I love the Herculoids. They you would love that 80s fucking cartoon theme tune thing that I was telling you about earlier, if you like that. Dude, we should so do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was more of a Brave Star guy myself. Oh, Brave Star! I remember Brave Star. Oh, Brave Star was so good, so good. Love that show. Eighties animated Ooh. show theme songs. Yeah, top twenty-five eighties children's TV intros. Oh, guess that eighties cartoon theme. Here we go. Let's do it. Woo-hoo. Only pay for what you need. Ah, fuck you and your fucking ad. I just said that. <laughs> Fucking Liberty Mutual. Break, 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 break. A Kit Kat break now. Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the first one. It goes like uh, Can you guess them? Guess the 80s cartoon challenge. Here's how it works. 12 seconds to guess. Guess the cartoon which aired from 1980 to 1989. Let's go! Number one. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull! Dan, did you say it? I did. Yeah. It, might, it might be He-Man. Oh, yeah, it might be. It's He-Man. It's He-Man. Number two. 
Answer? Garfield and Friends. Number three. Number four. <laughs> the fucking titles in all the songs. <laughs> Yo! Come on, guys. G.I. Joe, come on! No, wow. <laughs> hear it. I'll turn it up. Number five. Darkwing Duck. All right, we're done. All right, Darkwing Duck. That was Darkwing Duck, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it was Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we suck. We suck so bad. <laughs> oh, Chippendale. All right, yeah, Loki trailer. What'd you think, Dan? It was fine. It was fine. The. Yeah. It's fine. So it looks like Quantum Leap with Loki. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And Owen Wilson. And Owen Wilson. Yeah, yeah it looks great, man. It looks fucking fun. I can't wait. I think it looks like it's going to be a blast, man. Yeah, man. I'm I'm really happy with all this Disney Plus content, man. Like, most of the stuff coming out is, is great. Like, Mando was so legit. Yeah. Um... Yeah, all the stuff is coming out is great, man. I can't wait for Loki. Dude, was that was that Loki on Vormir with Black Widow? Wow. I don't know. The was red it? the redhead? I mean, it looks like fucking Black Widow. That looks like Black Widow. Like I couldn't tell in the first trailer, but the second trailer, they're sitting there together, man. God damn it, that looks like fucking Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Wow, that would be sick, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would be so great. That's really all I got for Marvel News this week, other than the <laughs> fact that last week on Falcon and Winter Soldier, I did bring up the fact that I thought that fucking John Walker would take the serum. My God, it happened. And no one, and not a single fucking person said, Brian, you, you fucking, you called it. You saw it coming. You saw it. Not one fuck. You like to point it out when I'm fucking wrong, though, don't you? <laughs> you fuckheads on the internet. All you motherfuckers. Anytime I'm fucking wrong. I got to hear about fucking Mephisto till the goddamn day I fucking die. But I fucking say John Walker's probably going to take the fucking serum. And I get fucking crickets out of you. So fuck all of you. <laughs> fuck every single last one of you. I hope you get, I hope Cascatelli pasta invades your butthole. <laughs> Dry Cascatelli. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. No, it's cool, man. I'm, 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 I, the fucking Falcon and Winter Soldier is really heating up, man. These last, these last few episodes have just been incredible. We got two more left. I can't wait. We'll talk about it more next week. DC news. This is the last thing of this week. 
I think it, in Star Wars news, did you guys see that fucking um, the uh, the set for the Obi Wan Kenobi show? There was a video that somebody released that they were on set for the Obi Wan Kenobi, and they started showing set videos, and it, it was immediately taken down off of Reddit and off of Twitter and Instagram. Shit. So that um, was what? Do you reckon that was like a cast member or crew member? Just, yeah. I know. This is what I'm doing today. Oh, yeah. Here we are. In the Dude. Fucking t- Tatooine hut and blah, blah, blah. I clicked on the video to watch it on Reddit. It was gone. Gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, man. Just that's how. got the shackles on tight over there. Yeah. <laughs> that person was fired. <laughs> Somebody's out of a job. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Van- I found it, though. What's yeah. that? I found it again. This is crazy. Oh, I'm watching it right now. The video's up? Yeah, it's mental. Hold on, I'll pop it through. Is Shy's watching crazy. that video of that fucking monkey Ewok right now? <laughs> it's so vast. It's Hold huge. Up. I'm going to this. You sent Star Wars leaks the album. Oh, you fucking found it. It's on yeah. TikTok now. Oh my god, this looks incredible. I love the way the music is coming through. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot believe they built this, dude. I'm gonna have to watch all that later. I got like 30 seconds left. Jesus Christ, man! Yeah, I can't, crazy, they, right? they built that, man. That looks like it looks like Tatooine. Wow, it looks I was, great. I was gonna say, do you reckon that's like Mos Eisley's, possibly as well? Possibly, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh wow! Uh, sleepy night, night, Dan, Dan, West time, huh? Sorry. <laughs> that's how excited I am for the Obi Wan series. We help. <laughs> You are a hard guy to please. I bet, I bet Dan West doesn't like blowjobs. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> you are a hard guy to please, Dan West. <laughs> Dan, Dan, I bet, I bet Dan West like brushes off blowjobs. Like he like waves his, you <laughs> like wave your hand like shoo no. No, I don't want your lips wrapped around my cock right now. <laughs> oh, I can tell you now that would never happen. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I've just been let down so much for the last few years. It's yeah. Like now I just have to wait for things to come out. And no matter how good the sets look and, you know, whatever I hear, I just go, oh, I'll just wait. I'll, I'll wait to see. I'll, yeah. It, it sucks, man. I've just been, yeah, it's been like, what I'm saying, I say I, I mean, a lot of us have been like just shit on. It's like. I know. I know. get it. Dude, I do a podcast. I always try. I do. I don't want to be on here and be super negative about every fucking thing that comes out. So I'm always no. trying to look for, you know, the positives because I think like, you know, sometimes we do focus way too much on the negatives because yeah, we have been let down. You know what I mean? Like, 
you know, uh, fucking we get a Men in Black announcement with Tessa Thompson and uh, Chris Hemsworth, two actors I fucking love. And then we get that movie and then it's it's complete garbage. (laughs) Right. You know, I mean, we've been let down in the past, you know. And so, like, you know, here's the thing. I have no hope for Gladiator 2. I will say that much. I will say that much. (laughs) Gladiator 2 just should not happen. But, you know, I do try to find a little bit of the positives in these things, man. And I, you know, I. I will say this about the Obi-Wan Kenobi set. Man, they've put a lot of money into that. That looks great. It looks really yeah. good. That looks yeah. awesome. Like, Matt, yeah, we, we, are getting these, we are getting these movies like, you know, Thunder Force and whatever the fuck. <laughs> but, you know, like, this is like, you look at the set and it looks like really detailed yeah. work. Yeah. And, like, people care about this project. And people who are involved, I'm sure they're all super fans and they're just, like, grateful to be a part of it. And we're getting you and McGregor back. Like, how can you not be excited? And Dude. also after just Mando. Mando has been fucking evidence that yeah. they're doing something right. Mando's the greatest thing, one of the best things on TV, I think, from last year. Like, just incredible. So I'm just super excited about this. Mando, fucking amazing. I cannot. Mando. I can't even. I've I've seen all of it like four times now. I think it's just Ooh. it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. There's nothing wrong with that show. I can't fault it. Yeah, Dan, Dan, you're a hard guy to please, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah Dan. He's like, woo, four times. Damn, <laughs> man, you got nothing better to you. Denying blowjobs twenty four seven. Like, <laughs> you you read a lot into me going, woo. <laughs> Steady on the projection there, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just that, that, that's a lot of times to watch it because it's a you know it's a long couple of shows. But yeah, no, I, I love Mandalorian. I've said that many a times. Fucking amazing, and uh, I'm sure everyone knows. But like the end, the end of the season two, but I yeah. cried. Thank you. <laughs> I cried. I, I, you know, fucking baby. I fucking, I love Jake, man, but man, it, <clears throat> what really hurts me is the fact that Jake being such a huge Star Wars fan just was not brought in by that, um, Luke Skywalker moment the way that I feel like a lot of the fandom kind of came together on that. And, yeah. you know, I, man, yeah. that, that was, you know, when we did the Tupperwares episode, we were handing out Tuppies. I gave my hero of the year was fucking Luke Skywalker. And I think mm. it was well-deserved, man. I think like that was, that, that was the scene, man. You know, that was, yeah. that was, that was the scene of 2020. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, for me, I, I said this to the guys from Vintage Geeks, uh, you know, David and Joe. Yeah. Like on chat and stuff. Um, for me personally, after the shit show that was the rise of skywalker um like (laughs) the end the end of the mandalorian season two is where star wars ended for me because luke showing up saving the day doing what no one else could and saving grogu and then the uh, mando and grogu being separated and the shot of Luke, Grogu, R2, the doors closing, fucking cut to black, Star Wars music. Mm. That is mm. it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, literally, I said to them, I was like, that is the perfect ending for Star Wars for me. I, I mean, we, we spoke about it before, you know, we, I did all the review shows with you guys. Um, I just, I just, 
don't give a fuck about any of the the new trilogy. That like, it can all just go away. I don't care anymore. It's the, that last movie made all the others worse. It did. It and, did. It yeah. did. It did. It yeah. totally. It totally it negated everything that they. In my opinion, and and for the fans that watched that last movie and loved it. God damn it, I'm, I'm happy for you. I am so, if anybody watched that last movie and that was the fucking icing on the cake for you, I'm not trying, I'm not here to take that away from you. But my okay. God, it negated everything that had led up to what I thought was going to be an awesome trilogy. And, uh, it just, it, it ruined it for me, man. I, yeah. you know, for all the people that wanted the, the Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I'm one of them, part of me wants to call in Trevorrow cut of 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 uh the rise of skywalker you know like can yeah, i get a can i get can i get a can i get a different version of that movie now yeah I, it's just you know it i mean that's that, that's it for me i was like after that film and it, it being my least favorite star wars movie including all of the fucking spinoffs yeah i absolutely despise that film i do too i make, i have more respect the for the prequels yeah, and it, it made the others worse. It, it, if you liked it, like Brian said, if you liked it, more power to you. Yeah. I'm glad you did. I me wish too. I was one of you. It just wasn't that for me, and it made the others worse because there were story points in that which completely contradicted. Co- oh, can't speak. Contradicted um, what um, happened in the previous two, and so it was just a big mishmash of crap that the, the studios and all the changing of directors and the writers and everything. Yeah. It just didn't work. So for me. The end of Mando, that's where my Star Wars ends. <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. remember, Brian, but when, when Disney released that little, that little timeline <laughs> and it had all the things all laid out, I fucking sent it back to you and I put, I fixed it. Yes. <laughs> I just like deleted a load of stuff and cut it off at the end of Mandalorian season two. Yeah. So yeah, that's it for me. It was like uh, whether I get more Mando is a bonus. But um, here's the thing: uh, uh, as much as I hated Rise of Skywalker, I'm not going to be sending death threats to J.J. Abrams. You no, know, I know. No, Force Awakens was still good, but I just wish you know they mapped this thing out from the beginning and didn't just play a fucking hot potato with who plays director, dude. Like, yeah. Boom. Yeah, like, come on. Yes. Get your fucking shit together, man. Right. You're handling like. A multi-million dollar franchise here and yeah. you have nothing to show for it, and you're panicking last seconds oh let's get this guy oh yeah no we we will let's get jj abrams back like what do you think he's that's what that's what his story from episode seven of course ryan johnson let it out in a different way yeah and then you just have this shit show of directors slapping their fucking balls on the table like oh no i'm gonna do it my way <laughs> fuck out of here like fan service there was no fucking fan service and i agree with both of you episode nine can suck a fucking dick it was so terrible i fucking hate that movie i still like force awakens i'm not sure about last jedi i'm not ready to watch it again but episode nine is so god awful yeah that just the more i think about it, the more angry i get Man, I wish I could be, I wish I could be one of those fans that watched The Last Jedi and loved it because like that's, you know, like that's it. That's the end of that story for now, you know, and like, and and that's where it ended and it kind of ended on a, for me, you know? I was gonna say, talking about fucking people getting their balls and slapping them on the table, I think Shy just did it with that comment. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. If you wanted to know what he thought, he just told you. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's yeah, not great. But yeah, the last episode of Mando was fantastic. Yeah, it I, was. Like, I I had no idea Luke was going to show up. I was like, I was literally in my living room, like pacing around the room, like who is mm-hmm. this? Why does he have a green saber? It's obviously <laughs> not Luke. And then like he's just slashing through the dark troopers, and then the face reveal, and I was just like, holy fucking shit. Like, this is amazing. I can't... I also was like... I just can't believe I'm experiencing this in my living room for the first time. Yeah. Like, this was just me in the living room. I thought that was a really great aspect of it. Can you imagine being in a theater watching this? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. fucking even, dude. With with other fans. With other fans that are willing to fucking watch the... That are willing to pay to watch the final episode of The Mandalorian... And then for us to get that reveal together would have been just an incredible experience. But man, it was still, even watching at home alone, I was still just kind of like, oh my, I, I was blown away. I was, it was like, yeah. it was that it was moment Christmas for me. Morning. It was Christmas morning. Yeah. What, is that when yeah. it came out for you or as in it was Christmas No, morning. it was like, it was like, it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, was it? Was it really? Was it done? I'm thinking about it. it was December, right? I don't know, but no, it was it smelled like it was just like such a great feeling. Well, I'm trying yeah. to figure out how the Loki trailer comes out five days ago, and Dan West literally just watched it ten minutes ago. Because <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> That's fuck? exactly why. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Endgame ended, and I was like, that's probably the, like, one of, if not the best wrap-up to a franchise I've ever seen. Like, Endgame, I fucking loved, and, like, there was shit in there that I didn't know that I wanted, that I got, especially Cap's ending. I was just like, oh, shit. And they ended with him, and it was just a gorgeous... It was like, it was like, the whole film was like a love letter to fans. It was so good. And then I was like, okay, it was over. And then WandaVision came out, and I wasn't very keen on the first couple of episodes. And then then it got better. And then the end was just a, another big light in the sky. She tortured 3,000 people and never even said sorry. And then she just buggered off. And I was like, well, what the fuck is this? They addressed so, it. They addressed it. Even <laughs> if she said she was sorry, they're not going to yeah. fucking accept it. It's not over. There's more story yeah. to be told, Dan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because because Monica said, oh, oh, you should probably apologize. She said they won't care. So that makes it okay. Because you think that they're not going to accept your apology. It doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it okay. But it doesn't make the story that less interesting. It does. It makes it shit. Oh, get the fuck out of here. She was torturing children for weeks in rooms. Are you kidding me? She's not a fucking hero. She's a villain. And that's what what they're going to be exploring in the future, hopefully they're going to be exploring that kind of shit in the future, in, in her future stories, man. Because yeah, it was super fucked up what she did. That one woman wished for death instead of fucking going forward in this. <laughs> exactly. But that's, a, dude, that's the, just because they did that doesn't make the whole fucking season garbage. I, man, I really. I didn't say that. I, I said I liked, like the middle of it, but the end was terrible. I loved it. I loved it. Even if she apologized, <laughs> it wasn't going to do shit. Like it if it definitely helped. Oh, oh yeah. A big, a big scene of her saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why, I, why did that guy like fucking end up trying to shoot the kids? 
Uh, what? It was like they, he didn't think that they were because he didn't think that they were fucking kids. She created them, man. That's right. Yeah, she did. So she created them. He so, thought that so they were like a guy that was like the head of fucking sword or whatever. And then all of a sudden he's like the worst man in the world. He's shooting. No, in, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, it was ridiculous. in a lot of ways, that guy thought he was doing the right thing. He was doing the right thing, and he Fuck thought that, that in his mad. in his mind he's the fucking hero. And when he, he shoot, and in his mind he wasn't shooting at children; he was shooting at fucking something that she created. No, that's a, that's completely correct. He was the hero. She was mental. She's absolutely mental. You took like one of like this really good character, and you made her a fucking villain. It's, it's shit. They did it. <laughs> she she fucking killed all the mutants off too in House of M. I th- right. Yeah. I I I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I know you did. I've listened to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. I did, but that, I mean, that was it. I was like, I was like, right. This started badly for me because I don't like hokey nineteen fifties TV. Oh, I love it. Didn't find it. I know, but and that's what I, I was yeah, a fan. I get it immediately. And then episode three happened. I was like, oh shit, it's getting interesting. Cool, cool, cool. And it, it got more interesting. And then fucking, what's his name? Hayward, Howard, whatever the hell his name is, became some Hayward. sort of a blooming caricature, terrible villain. And everyone's like, fuck this guy. I was like, why? He's doing the right thing. <laughs> In a lot of and ways, then, he was. I get it. No, I get it. And <laughs> I get and it. Vision was, Vision was quipping all over the shop and not being Vision. And it was it just because it wasn't a hundred percent vision. It was basically like the part of vision that 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 she carried over from the Mind Stone. Stop that, making excuses. It doesn't fucking work. It works. It works. It fucking works, man. But I do like what they set up. I love the law that they sort of brought in, and I love the fact that she's you know looking over the dark hold and everything at the end. I I love that little bit at the end, but everything in that last episode was terrible. Uh, dude, all I'm hearing right now is you turning down more blowjobs. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that would never happen. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yeah. Dan, Dan just taking his hand and sliding the head, the face no. away. No, no. not today. Doing? What do you think you're doing? Get your mouth away. From yeah, uh, you call this a blow job. I call this a no job. No, job. no thank you. <laughs> Oh dear! It's okay if you like blowjobs where the person's mouth is full of poo, so that's fine. Because <laughs> that's what you love. <laughs> My God! Wow, I you think know? he says that as I enjoy a- anal sex. I don't know when. <laughs> as in, as in, if, if I'm refusing a blowjob, as in one division, one division was shit at the end. So you're refusing a blowjob with a mouth full of feces. Oh, that's, that's, that's very subjective and no. <laughs> and no. 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 Okay, let's move on. Let's move on and let's wrap this up. Vanity Fair released an article titled Justice League screenwriter Chris Terrio is super pissed off. Um, yeah. Did you guys read this? Yes. What do you, yes. okay, okay, so it's a Vanity Fair article, Justice League screenwriter Chris Terrio is super pissed off. He's not happy about his treatment as far as like these movies. He's not happy about the way that critics are viewing his movies. 
after they've come out. Um, I, I guess I can get into this a little bit as far as like some of like the, you know, the, the big quotes in this. But after reading this, I, the question I want to ask you is, are you, are you more on Chris Terrio's side now than you were before reading this? Um, yeah, I think yes. Um, so like I, I did not enjoy, um, the original Superman, uh, Batman v Superman. Um, and then I also watched the extended cut and I also again did not enjoy that. And I did not watch the Justice League after that. So I kind of agree with his plight here. Like the poor guy, um, he, he also says like they cut out 30 minutes of his movies. And it's like as if they cut out 30 minutes of Argo and it wouldn't make sense anymore. So I really feel for the guy. It just sounds like he was bullied or not bullied, but uh, pushed into a certain direction um, by studio decisions that he didn't have any control over and he didn't get to do the work he wanted. And it just sounds like he's making a plight kind of like he's ready to speak up and be like, hey, you know, like, yeah. You know, like I, I yeah, it's this poor guy, man. Like he, I feel like if he did have his exact way, we would have gotten like a lot of better stuff. Like even like he mentions like a lot of the actors talk to him, like Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot. They all speak to him, like, hey, like I don't think this character should go this way. What do you think? They're like asking him for a second opinion, so they obviously value his opinion. Um, so it's just sad to see that in the end he kind of got steamrolled. And didn't get to put out the thing he wanted to put out. One of the quotes from this article was he said, the 2017 theatrical cut, and he's talking about Justice League, he says, was an act of vandalism. Zach may be too much of a gentleman to say that, but I'm not. They asked him, (laughs) what was your relationship with Zach? He said, good, I have nothing whatsoever bad to say about Zach. He has a skill set that I don't have as a visualist, and he has a contagious excitement that when you describe a scene, he almost can't contain himself, and he just wants to go draw it or paint it. Zach never for a second turned his back on me or doubted my work. Another interesting thing I found about this is that Joss Whedon, Chris Terrio tried to reach out to him. Joss Whedon never returned any of his uh, uh, phone calls or or never set up a meeting with Chris Terrio at all. Um they asked him about how did he feel when his journey ended prematurely with Justice League's upheaval. He said, I went into such a deep, uh, I went into such depression when the film was taken away and rewritten, but I didn't even feel entitled to be depressed because Zach and Debbie were dealing with their family tragedy. Measured against that, losing the film that you wrote seems like nothing at all. But it did hurt. It hurt to think that I cared so much about these characters and worked on nothing else for a very long time. Um, he also talked about like, there's a quote about, um, Lois Lane in Batman v Superman. And he goes on to say this and he was attacked by, uh, uh, a lot of journalists and they, they asked him, 
in this Vanity Fair article, do you feel like the title and cuts for length made it harder for people to appreciate things that did work in Batman v Superman? He says, that's exactly right. The audience has to know that they're in good hands. The minute they lose them from a story point of view, they lose the desire to look at it generously. Once the critics decide a movie is incoherent, it's just a pile-on. They then attack everything. There's a line at the beginning of the film where a warlord says to Lois Lane, they didn't tell me the interview was with a lady. And Lois replies, I'm not a lady. I'm a journalist. So one reviewer held this line as proof positive of my stupidity and my inability to write Lois or to write at all. Well, the character of Lois in the movie was inspired by the journalist Marie Colvin, who was, of course, killed in Syria. She was one of the most intrepid journalists who ever lived, in my opinion. And there's a story in Vanity Fair, Marie Colvin's Private War. And I've seen this movie. I reviewed it on the podcast, guys. I reviewed Private War on the podcast, and it's a fantastic movie. It's really fucking good. But anyway, the line that Lois says is almost exactly the line that was in that article where uh, a, a warlord said he wouldn't shake her hand because she was a woman. Marie Colvin replied, there is no woman in this room, only a journalist. So that line was my tribute to her. But then in the pylon, a line like that is held as proof positive that I don't understand either women or journalists or human beings and that I'm a shitty writer. This guy did not hold back in this interview at all. And I feel like everybody, like, here's the thing. Ray Fisher fucking got fucked in this cut. Um, Zack Snyder, Debbie Snyder got fucked and Chris Terrio got fucked. And I feel like, you know, uh, everybody in this just had, I'm glad that Chris Terrio is speaking out about this. I, you know, I, I honestly feel like, and if you go back and you watch Argo, that's a great fucking movie and him and Ben Affleck work great together. And, um, yeah, I feel like this guy got fucking, his movie got hacked. And it got chopped up. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like he got, he got fucked here. What do you think, Dan? You got, uh, I think that he's, how dare he, uh, treat characters as individuals and not by their immutable characteristics? How dare he say that a woman would rather be seen as a journalist rather than, in quotation marks, just a woman by this particular warlord. How dare he put those words in that character's mouth? Seriously, did, this guy's a fucking hero for saying this shit because it, it's all this crap that these studios want to put put out. And these critics... The, oh Christ! It, it's like people... If they see something that they deem like ideological ideologically against where they where they stand, then that makes everything that this person puts out shit. Like you said, it's a pylon. As soon as they they find one thing that they don't like, they tear everything apart. And you just see this all the time. That's why audience scores are always not always, but almost entirely either positive and they're the opposite of what the fucking critics think now. Because yeah. the critics see some sort of a message which probably doesn't even fucking exist, or that they're just they're viewing it through all these weird lenses that all these fucking idiots have. 
and they're just shitting on things or they're liking things which are crap, but they have the correct ideology that they like. It's just, it's fucking mad. It's like people in the professional spectrum of journalism don't know how to critique things anymore. No one has this, no one has a fucking objective view anymore. They're just, they're all, they're just seeing everything that they believe or don't believe in art and then they will judge it thusly. It's bullshit, and I'm fucking so glad that someone in the professional sphere has actually said something. So, kudos to this guy, man. It's yeah. bullshit. It's massive balls it took to say this, and it clearly it's been stewing for a long time. And, again, he's completely correct that his what he was going through was nothing compared with what Zach and Deborah were going through. Right. And the <clears> fact that he didn't... He, you know, he didn't sort of voice his opinions or whatever thing. He was like, well, it doesn't fucking matter if, you know, thrown off the film, whatever. It doesn't matter because what they went through is so much worse than, than anything he's ever experienced, I'm assuming. Or it definitely was at the time. So he, he was like, right, I'm just going to chill. And now he's obviously pissed off enough, especially now the Snyder Cut has come out, that he's just gone, right, I'm going to tell you what fucking happened. And... That's, that's just that's the way things are at the moment. It's just people get shit on yeah. for not for the art, but for what people think the particular message is. And it could not even be the message. And it doesn't fucking matter anyway. If if something doesn't jive with you politically, socio-politically, ideologically, as a journalist and a critic, you should be looking at looking at it as a subjective piece of art. It's so stupid. I actually had this conversation with um, with uh, uh, John C. K. Robinson about um, <clears throat> a few things. Um, she's a black YouTuber, and we were talking on YouTube, and that that's what we were talking about. Same damn thing. It's like people aren't people aren't allowed to say what they think about certain things anymore or you just get destroyed and she's experienced the same thing some of the shit that people have said to her is absolutely abhorrent because she didn't have the quote-unquote right opinion of a piece of art it's just it's fucking madness man yeah i just don't get it oh man yeah yeah i'm 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 glad that that he spoke i'm glad that ray fisher has finally spoken up too i don't know if you guys Definitely. saw all that news that came out this week i actually i listened to that podcast that he was on um the comic book debate and like in the last i think it was like the last 20 minutes he did open up about everything i i fucking love ray fisher now i am like a huge ray fisher fan i hope that this guy i hope hollywood has not turned off to this guy and i'm glad that he fucking spoke up He's a really stand-up dude. I really like Ray Fisher quite a bit. And I feel like everybody that was involved in um, the Snyder Cut, that was involved in the original Justice League, I think everybody kind of got screwed in that. And if you watch the Snyder Cut, it's crazy. He's literally the main character. <laughs> and that is totally cut out of the theatrical. It's cut out of the theatrical at a hundred percent that, that, yeah. that cyborg is the main character. And that's what I thought made the movie so good is like, you know, Zack Snyder is telling us that like in his version, cyborg is the heart of this movie. And that's what we saw in, in that Zack Snyder's cut. And so I'm glad that people are speaking up against Warner Brothers and the people that fucking butchered this movie. And, uh, 
Yeah, man. Good on Chris Terrio. Good on Chris Terrio. Good on Ray Fisher. Good on um, Gal Gadot this week for speaking up too about some of the things that happened. And um, yeah, I'm I'm all for this. Hopefully, this will bring about some some good change in Warner Brothers. I hope so. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. It's fingers a fucking crossed. mess out there at the moment. It is. Yeah, yeah. All right, that is all we have this week. Well, we said this wasn't going to be a very long one. It was long as fuck, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Shy, thank you for your annual visit. Yeah, man. I'll be back (laughs) next year. (laughs) Can't wait to hear from you next year, man. Sort of fucked up Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Santa that no one leaves cookies for. Yeah, like nobody wants. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, why is this homeless person breaking in through my chimney? <laughs> Excuse me, that that unhoused. Oh, unhoused! Oh my god! Unhoused! unhoused. Oh god! Oh god. <laughs> I had the same oh, reaction god. when I first heard that word last week, and then I was so glad. I kept thinking to myself, like, about it. sincerely as well. You're like, no, I'm just genuinely asking if that's the new PC term. I didn't know. I really didn't know. Like, so now, <laughs> I didn't know either. Um, I like if someone is if someone is penniless, I don't call them penniless. I call them unpennied. <laughs> It's somebody with no money. They, they're they pe- <laughs> Oh, see, see, we don't call people unhoused over here. We call them rough sleepers. Rough sleepers? Yeah, I'm not laughing at homeless people. I just think it's all so fucking ridiculous. So you guys now call them unhoused. We also call them un... What was well, the fuck? Did I just say rough sleepers? Yeah. So we don't have a homeless problem anymore in London. We have a rough sleeper problem it's like you're just giving it a different name i get no i get neil was trying to basically i i get what he was saying it was a, it was an all-encompassing term for people that yeah. maybe not might not have homes at they're in between homes i get sure, what he was yeah. saying but man i didn't understand it at the time when i asked the question never heard it i'd never heard of unhoused yeah yeah unhoused. yeah rough when I first heard the term, the first thing that came to mind was like this wacky TV show called like Unhoused and Unhinged. This <laughs> <laughs> is like unhoused people who just go mental and go on a rampage. I want to see a show <laughs> called Unhoused, but it's kind of like, um, it, it's, it's Ashton Kutcher showing up to people's houses <laughs> and, and taking them away from them. <laughs> You just been unhoused, and they're like, "What? <laughs> oh, what? We're, yeah, there's a camera. There's a camera. There's a there. camera over oh there. There's a camera over there, and there's a camera uh, showing movers taking all of your possessions out of your home. You're gone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, and they're like, "We paid off our home. What? Are, what? Are, you can't do this." 
<laughs> well, you're you're. I'm sorry. You're, you're this week's subject on on house. So Jerry, is... tell them we just took out a second mortgage to pay this off. <laughs> Jerry, tell them. I I don't know, honey. I, this is some sort of new network show. I don't, honey, they're playing the theme song now. We're fucked. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> You should pitch that to a network. You should. They'll be right on it. Yeah. (laughs) Just Ashton Kutcher throwing families out of their homes. And there's no point to it. There's like... No. Yeah. Yeah, It just just ends. (laughs) The mom just comes back from taking Timmy to soccer practice. (laughs) She comes home to this shit. What's it? (laughs) <laughs> just a bunch of repo men taking out all the antique furniture. It's like, what's up with all the furniture? Yeah, we're on a show. Sorry, honey. <laughs> this is so stupid. All right, Shy, thank you. Dan, thank you, sir. No blowjobs, please. No blowjobs. No blowjobs. <laughs> no blowjob Dan is what they call him. <laughs> how can how can a human being not enjoy a blowjob? It's it's beyond me. It's beyond me. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So, so yeah, for a short episode, that was a long episode. A lot yeah, of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Sorry, man. It was so good being able to chat to you for you know yeah, the whole episode, great. dude. Yeah, uh, definitely. So much fun, man. It's it's great to have the guests over from this side of the pond. Yeah, yeah. Like Dan was like, "Who's going to be the guest this week?" And I said, "It's a surprise." It's a surprise. Yeah, I don't dare ask anymore because then it's like, "Oh, what?" Like you need to know who's going to be there for you to make it worth your time. You know? Yeah, dude. Hey, listen, listen. I'm the motherfucking showrunner around here. All right, I got it handled. All right, don't worry about it. It don't matter. I Dan asked. <laughs> yeah, I asked because there's people that fucking hate me that don't want to be on the show with me. So no, I knew I knew Shy would love to be on the show with you. I knew oh, Shy was yeah, totally we've been down for before. This. Yeah. yeah, it's good fun, man. Always. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I always remember Brian posting that uh, <laughs> that fucking video of a guy kicking a can. <laughs> into the window of a car because we you said about me not littering when I was over in Amsterdam and, and the next day Brian was fucking on it and it was this footage of this guy like booting a can and it went in the dude's window so good <laughs> just said like Shyanetchi <laughs> like the telling Dan what's up or some shit like yeah, Brian knows what's up, man. Showrunner Brian knows what's up, dude. I'm not fucking around on this shit. Yeah, the littering Brits, we call. Them. I will the accept. Littering. I will accept any blowjob for anyone from anyone. <laughs> from anyone. It doesn't matter. It, it, seriously, my dick is open for business when it comes to blowjobs. I'll take. I'll take them anywhere I can get them. <laughs> Ah, close your eyes and think of one division. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Hi, Paul. Goodbye. Love, love, love. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap.